that's the only thing that's taking me out with the critics. Critics do matter, but you should make up your own mind too. Yeah, I think critics are a little burned out on the MCU. I think that's part of it. Yeah. And I think the Scorsese effect. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Welcome to another episode of The Keeg Live, the show brought to you by The Keeg, where we talk about different geek topic every other geek week. Uh, today's <laughs> topic is Eternals. That's the new Marvel movie that just came out. I'm your host, Dimitri Pereira. And if you could see us, you know who our other guests on the show are. If you could see us, you're watching the live stream, whether it's on Facebook, whether it's on YouTube, whether it's on Twitch, or our number one live stream platform, volume.com. If you're on volume.com, you're on volume.com slash the Keeg Show. That's where we draw the chat from. So if you want to come and talk with us there, we're way more likely to see your comments there. But wherever you want to digest the show, feel free to digest. But if you cannot see us, you can't see our faces, you don't know who the guests are, then you're listening to the podcast, and that's wherever you get your podcast from. We're on five different apps, so pick one, go with it. We would love to uh, have you, no matter where you are. Uh, So, for those of you who can't see our guests, let me introduce my guest for today. He's been on the show many times before. He is a huge Jack Kirby fan. Um, you may know him on TikTok as Captain Comics, Comic, Captain Comic Rex. I always have to figure out where the S goes. We got Brian Long, everybody. <laughs> Brian, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm really excited to chat about this movie. This is a movie I've been looking forward to for a while because of the, the Kirby elements in particular. And we got a lot to unpack. So <laughs> I'm looking forward to getting into it with you guys. I'm 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 so excited uh for this episode given the two guests that i have today uh uh i yeah we're gonna get into it we're gonna get into it and i'm i'm gonna love the takes i just know that uh (laughs) we also got marvelous johnny not as a guest he has been a guest before marvelous johnny's out there in the chat he says hey what's up marvelous johnny thank you for uh for coming by no but our second guest uh she is new to uh, the Keeg, but not new to talking because she also has an amazing TikTok out there, Cat Lady JJ. We got JJ on the show today. JJ, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for, for having me. I'm so excited about this. It's really exciting. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> uh, it's your first time on the Keeg, and just mm-hmm. know that we do haze, we haze newcomers. No, so okay. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm just saying, you do? Brian. Brian knows. Yeah, uh, Brian. I sent you a box of. I sent you a box of snakes in the mail. Uh, right. Oh, that was you. Okay. That I remember this now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was me. snakes. I can deal with it. Okay. Just not giant spiders. Oh, okay. That's, that's a no. Oh, sorry. I I miss I misspoke. I I meant spiders, JJ. I sent you a box of spiders, giant spiders. Big ones, not the little big ones, the hairy ones. <laughs> I, 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 I got, I got a spider kind of like, like a varying sizes stacked up on top of each other. I wasn't sure which size is the scariest, so oh, I sent them all. If it's bigger than my <laughs> whole hand, my fist, no, it's not happening. The little ones, I don't mind. I can grab them. The big ones, no, please don't. Please. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. They're, they're the biggest I could find under, of course they under are. such of course. short notice. Yes. Um, and I'm so uh, smart. I explained my fears. <laughs> yeah. 
what did they say in Suicide Squad? In The Suicide Squad, um, where Bloodsport was like, uh, he's afraid of rats, but he didn't tell Waller that he's afraid of rats. I forget what he yes. says, but it's kind of like that. Yeah. Oh my god, oh, uh, I love that movie. I love that movie so much. I have to rewatch it. <laughs> now that you remind me. Yeah. Um, I... I mean, tr- talk about rewatches. No matter what anyone thinks about this movie, I wanna, I wanna go back and rewatch it. Like, Absolutely. I, I, I was thinking mm. about waking up at like ten in the morning today to catch like a ten thirty show and just watch it again because I really wanted to watch it again before I, um, before I, I came here. But I'm like, ah, nah, I'll brush up on like some other things of Eternals right. and, and set up the show. Um, w- before we, we talk about the movie movie, I just want to know whether people had experience with Eternals before the movie was even announced. Because as a comic book fan, I could care less. I couldn't care less. I couldn't care less about Eternals in the <laughs> comics. And that's just me. Uh, JJ, did you have any idea about the Eternals before they even announced it? You hear it through the grapevine when people discuss where Marvel is eventually going to go, what can they explore and things like that. They, they drop names, but I never went in to look for it myself. You know what I mean? I was never compelled. It was just a theory. And this was like years ago. So, and then when, once a trailer, no, it was like the Comic-Con that Kevin Feige announced that that's when I started to get a little bit more educated with it to what it is and because it's coming and it's going to tie it into uh, phase four so but not a lot of um, yeah. experience with journals now yeah uh even as a comic book fan i had heard about them and been like eh whatever right right that being said <laughs> that being said i know brian has some experience with them just being a jack kirby fan and i'm a jack kirby fan too right but i have my i have my opinions brian well and what's what was your what's experience funny, dimitri is yeah what's funny is even as someone who is a pretty died in the wool jack kirby fan the eternals was a blind spot uh-oh did he did he disappear did brian disappear I, I see him but he's frozen <laughs> He's frozen, right? Okay. Yep. Okay. It's yep. not just me. I always worry. Is it? Is it me? You know how like sometimes no. you smell something funny anywhere, and you're like, <laughs> "Is that? Is it just is me? That, me that smells funny?" And no, then no. you're like, you sniff yourself, and you're like, "No, it's not me. Who is it? Oh, it's it, you know, it's my dad. He's standing behind me." Okay. Uh, <laughs> I think he's moving. We lost you there for a second. Brian. I mean, we're All still, right, we we're still Sorry losing that, Brian. Brian, uh, I can't Back, see sorry. you. Bad well, timing. I, I could have frozen like five seconds earlier. You're not. You're not moving. Uh, you're frozen. You're frozen, but I can hear you. Oh, yeah, same here. Uh, turn turn the cam off and okay. then turn the cam on. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh wait, we got movement. Yeah. We got movement. We got well, movement. I think we're, I'm back. Hello. Yeah. Yay. Okay. <laughs> all right. Okay. Correct. Um, <laughs> So what so, I what I was gonna say before all that happened uh, was just yeah. that um, even even for someone like me who is a Died in the Wool Kirby fan, the Eternals was a blind spot for me for a while, and I think a lot of Kirby fans, um, unless you're like really really deep into it, feel similarly. Where Eternals has always kind of seemed like this was his attempt to get back at the fourth world stuff that got cut short 
um, DC, when he yeah. moved over. Yeah, when he moved over to DC, and then it's part of his coming back to Marvel in the '70s run, which also includes things like Devil Dinosaur, the Black Panther run that he does solo, the Captain America run he does solo. And I think of those books, Eternals is kind of seen as like this weird outlier, partly right. because. Kirby did not actually want the Eternals to be in the 616 continuity initially. And if you go back and reread those original books, there's not really any references to exterior Marvel comic stuff until later in the run where editorial was kind of pushing him to include more Marvel stuff. So he does sort of like haphazard things like the Hulk fights Icarus in one issue, but it's a Hulk robot that was built by some college students. So it's like Kirby's like, sure, I'll put something in there that's like kind of referencing mainline Marvel Universe. And I think because right. of that, it's always existed in this weird sort of bubble. Um, but I, when the film was announced, and in particular when Chloe Zhao was announced to be the director, because mm -hmm. she's a director I, I'm really uh, intrigued by. I'm a big fan of her work. I was like, all right, it's time. I got to like sit right. down and read these. And I really came to, to love the characters and I really came to find a lot to like in them um, because they, they fit in, in interesting ways with a lot of the thematic and story ideas that Kirby loved to play with. Um, so it was, it was partly saying like, all right, this movie's coming out. It's time for me to sit down and finally do this. But also saying Chloe Zhao and Jack Kirby is a combination I never could have imagined in a million years. <laughs> I cannot think of a director whose sort of like aesthetic and style is more the polar opposite, opposite of Jack Kirby's aesthetic and style. Right. Um, so I was like, what is this movie even gonna be and look like with right. these two elements together? Um, so yeah, and I'll, I'll save my ultimate thoughts on what I thought for just a moment. But yeah, right. that was kind of what got me into it. So I think even among people who are hardcore Jack Kirby fans, the Eternals are a weird outlier. Right. Yeah. Uh, Speaking about Chloe Zhao, does anyone have, like, what are your guys' experiences with Chloe Zhao? Because she was announced as, a, as the director before Nomadland won Best Oscar. So she wasn't a household name. She's not right. really a household name now, but at least, like, cinema files. <laughs> right. right. Like, they, they know Chloe Zhao. But the point being is, like, did you guys, had you guys have seen, have you guys seen her movies even up to this point? Because I have not. I'll be honest. Um, I'll be honest, I have not, no. I haven't gone into the deeper movies in a long time. I've been so consumed with Marvel and Star Wars in the last few years. It's just, I never seek out anything else in the last two years. I know, Wayne, but right. it's just I, the time of year, I mean. <laughs> I've no, seen it's, all it's, of her it's movies. It's fine, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay, I, good. I've seen them all. Um, <laughs> they're, I'm honest. They're, yeah, no, uh, but they're also like very much... I, I, this is going to sound like it's an insult, but it's not. But they're very much like what <laughs> people imagine American indie films to be. Like, okay. they're very, like, cinema verite. They're mostly amateur actors. She tends to travel to these areas in the American Midwest, meet people, like, learn their stories, and then she okay. writes the scripts based around their stories and will often have those people act in the films. Um, one of her films, The Rider, which came out before Nomadland, the main actor in it, the film is essentially about his actual experience. He's a bull rider who okay. was thrown from the bull, had a severe brain injury because of it, and was basically told, like, you can't do this anymore. And him kind of dealing with this sort of 
existential fact that this thing that he loves so much is now being denied to him. Um, and she wow. like worked with him. They built the film together based on his experiences. So like I said, like versus Jack Kirby, who's like, most of my comics are about gods from outer space. It's <laughs> such different aesthetic and creative tastes. Yeah. Um, but in a weird way, watching this movie, I was kind of like, she found a way to make this a Chloe Zhao film right. in a lot of ways. Um, whether it's the aesthetics shooting on location for so much of the film, the the sweeping vistas, the beautiful uh, cinematography. Very but lush, also, yeah. yeah, but also so many of her films are about people who are dealing with the fact that their lives are being upended by these systems that they don't control. And that's kind of what is happens a, to the Eternals in this movie. Is she a fairly political director? Is there I would an agenda? Say, I would say no. Um, I think her films are, how can I put this? I, I don't think they're explicitly political, um, okay. but they are. They do tend to be a lot, uh, primarily focused on people who are lower income. A lot of her films focus on people who live uh, on the Native American reservations in the American Midwest. Um, she got a lot of flack in Nomadland for not being more explicitly critical of Amazon because <laughs> Frances McDormand's character in that film is an Amazon. I read about that. Worker. Yeah. Yeah. But I it's also the that. sort of, yeah, but it's also the sort of thing watching it where it's like nothing about this lifestyle seems good <laughs> either. Like this is clearly a person who is being uh, uh, exploited by capitalism. So it's the kind of thing where it, her films, I don't think are outwardly explicitly political in a lot of ways, but I think that there is a lot of subtext there right. uh, that you can mine and look at. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, did you, what were your concerns about whether that can mix with Kirby? Is it because Kirby is bright and like out there? Art deco? Is that yeah. the right, is that the right word? Um, Camp well, almost? Yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. don't even know. I mean, that's the thing about Kirby is like, he, no one has ever drawn like him or since. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and, right. you know, he, I think that the thing that I ultimately really took away from this film is that would I have liked the visual aspects of Kirby to be a bit stronger? Absolutely. But I feel that way about every MCU film. So it's not a unique criticism. Um, and I think right. that the MCU film that gets closest to Kirby visuals is, of course, Thor Ragnarok, which is a film mm. I really love yeah. and enjoy. Oh, yeah, but I think, definitely. Yeah, Thor Ragnarok gets a lot of, I think, surface level Kirby aspects, but I think is missing a lot of the Kirby thematic ideas. Right. And I think she really tapped into a lot of the thematic ideas that make Kirby's films great. These ideas of like these demigods that come to earth that find a place among humanity, among human beings and start to question the demands of these higher powers that they serve. I mean, this film is kind of like, what if we did Silver Surfer and Galactus, but we made Silver Surfer 10 people? <laughs> like it, it really parallels <laughs> that, so that story. That is so true, yeah. yeah. And, and I, when, as I was watching that unfold, I was like, even though the visual aspect is not totally there, I think she gets a lot of the emotional core that exists in a lot of Jack Kirby stories really well. And keep in mind with a movie like this, you have to kind of tone something down. Sure. You already have like 50 characters going on. You have to invest people into it. So you're going to have to tone down. Look at their outfits. They're very muted colors. They're very right. yeah. streamlined, really gentle. You know what I mean? It's not out there. You don't have that Taika Waititi touch on this movie. It's yeah. just very subtle in its appearance because you need to be care. You need to care about the message and the characters. So yes. I think that's probably why I didn't right. go Jack, Jack Kirby route. So right, right. 
Um, but and then uh, it also I, makes those moments when the Kirby stuff does happen really stand out. Like that first right. shot of the Celestials, and you just see Ash and the Judge's huge head, and you see just tiny little Ajax in front of it. You're like, holy crap! Like that really sets the tone and makes those moments where it does go full Jack Kirby have right. a, have an impact um, in a, in a I, meaningful way. I gasped. I'm not kidding. I was oh, like, it, it was completely unexpected to see that in a Marvel movie, just like that grand scale of that. I was like, yeah, this movie will be very interesting <laughs> after yeah. that moment. The, the question that I have for JJ is mm-hmm. the, once the trailer came out, right? Uh, the tr- uh, did you have any thoughts about the trailer? I thought it was very, uh, it, it looked different from any other Marvel movie. First of all, like it, it, right. it didn't feel like a, your typical superhero movie coming together. Um, it was very, like I, I use the word earlier, very lush, very sort of poetic. There's some sort of most philosophical feel to it. And the way those gold uh, connections that they make between each other, it just, to me, was just really pretty. Like I was just attracted to its appearance initially. Because again, I'm going into Eternal, Eternals not knowing anything about Eternals. So for me, that trailer, I was in. I was in immediately just by the appearance. And again, the casting. Casting will get you. I mean, yeah, it absolutely will. Once you get yeah. all these characters up here, that was that I was sold on all of that. So <laughs> yeah. pretty much. Yeah, I mean, seeing the trailer, I had a theory going around, not about the movie or not about the plot, but about the movie in general. Uh-huh. And I mean, once we talk more about the movie, we'll see whether I was right. <laughs> um, I had a, I, I, I kind Feige to me was skipping over Shang Chi with his praise, and he was going straight to Eternals, right? Yeah. Like that's the way I felt Marvel Studios was 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 acting. It was like, oh, this is our firstborn, but like I have more hopes for my secondborn, or like whatever between the <laughs> two of those. You know, you're not wrong. You're um, not wrong. And so, or if you want to consider it a Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Eternals, then it's like, oh, Black Widow, like, it took them a long time to graduate high school, like, whatever. And then, like, <laughs> this middle child is like, whatever, just get them to high school. Get them, get, get them. And then the, the youngest one, right, the final born, it's like, ah, this is my, this is my pride and joy, right? <laughs> you can stay out till <laughs> 2 a.m. So... Don't even come home. Who cares? Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> Right. Uh, by the way, sorry, Brian, are you listening to this on a speaker? Uh, is there an echo? Yeah. I can hear myself yeah, is what I just said. Yeah. Yeah. I can work on that in post. It's not like a like a big deal. I think that gets like switched out in post. Um, it might just be my last But uh, JJ, you're seeing a lag too. Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah, because you are, I mean, you are like a split second behind me anyway. Or at least behind my thing. Anyway, whatever. Uh... Um, what was my, what was, uh, uh, my point? Um, wait, do you have, do you have earpieces or did earpieces not work earlier? Uh, they weren't working earlier. I didn't, I didn't plug something in. <laughs> Is it good? Now? Oh, no, no. JJ, you're fine. Oh, JJ, okay. you're fine. Brian, sorry. sorry. Yeah. Do you I have earpieces? That'll help. If that's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you do? Okay. So I don't know why the speakers are coming out or it's coming out and I can hear myself. Anyway, whatever. Um, uh, what was I saying? Uh, oh, okay. So I'm making this this comparison to kids, and I just felt like Feige was like brushing over Shang Chi to like really push Eternals, and I had 
a thought that Eternals was going to be the first Oscar, well, not first Oscar nominated, Black Panther was, but mm-hmm. the the uh, like it could be pushed to be an Oscar winner uh, for Best Picture, given that Chloe Zhao won Nomadland right. um, um, this year for last year's. So I thought maybe Eternals would be nominated for next year's for this year, you know? Um, and I couldn't see any flaws in the trailer. I was like, I think the trailer looks like it could just be completely solid, an A movie, and then go just really ham with, like, visuals and stuff and push that towards the Oscars. Right. When we talk about the movie in, in, a, in a minute or something, uh, I have changed my mind as far as that's concerned. But uh, but I thought that that's what they were pushing. It's and just like another Chloe Zhao Oscar winning hit, you know. Th- and I'm gonna take some something into consideration. The COVID schedule I think has made these movies uh, kind of come out in a weird weird time. So, but it did feel like Kevin Feige was trying to kind of get past Shang Chi into this. Um, yeah. As far as the Oscar thing, maybe on the artsy side. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I'm not sure. Oh, and yeah. uh, I have to. I gotta. Um, I gotta put this out there. When the trailer came out, and I saw yeah. Jon Snow and Rob Stark in the same trailer, I lost it. Like uh, this movie, I'm going into this movie. I'm gonna cry, and I'm just gonna be sad, and that's fine. My my <laughs> friend who I saw the film with was like, "We have Jon Snow in this movie. We have Rob Stark in this movie. They keep talking about someone named Cersei, Cersei. taking me out of the movie." <laughs> I don't want to hear Jon Snow say I love Cersei ever again in my life. <laughs> I could spend two more lives and not hear that sentence in my life. <laughs> or Rob Stark. Yeah, it was very JK, funny. Are, and I was like, man, I didn't really think about that until... Uh, jarring. <laughs> JJ, are you a fan of the actors or are you a fan of the Game of Thrones connection? Game of Thrones connection. I don't, okay. I, I don't think Ken Harrington is a really good actor. I don't know. Uh, not yet. I have not okay. seen a lot of stuff I'll... from him. And they, they didn't do much with him in the last few seasons of uh, Game of Thrones. I completely disregarded his heritage. And he just wasn't given any material to work with. So to me, I'll just, say this. I think he's, he's better in this than he is in Game of Thrones. Because in Game yes. of Thrones, he's kind of like... Flat. He kind of has one emotion, which That's is the character somewhat. But he was right, like very right. sort of like goofy and charming. He was like there was, a like yeah. lovable boyfriend. And I'm like, this is going to be interesting seeing him take on the Black Knight character because right. of the way that character sort of the the way the sword affects yeah. him and things like that. It'll be interesting to see that contrast. But I was like, he's actually yeah doing some interesting stuff here, and I'm excited for finally him yeah. Him. But he's yeah. funny like SNL skits. Like so much of his personality like shines yeah, through. Yeah. And it's like when you watch, yeah. like Game of Thrones is his biggest project. So watching that, watching the last few seasons, just so one note, one tone, and it jars me. So you're right. Here's here's much more lovable. He's actually memorable, which is what two minutes of screen time, and, yeah, and not he's much memorable. Yeah. No, right? Which I didn't. I thought it would be in more. That was really yeah. kind of surprising. I also like the way his yeah. character seems to suggest that like people are just kind of rolling with how weird the universe has become where he's like, right. look, you're clearly a wizard. Just like that <laughs> yeah. Dr. Strange guy I've seen on TV. Just tell right. me you're a wizard. Like, I like this idea that people are like, we live in a world of aliens and wizards and killer robots. So we're going to learn to roll with that. Right. 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 Yeah. It was, it was refreshing. Yeah. At, at, a, at a certain point, people in the MCU like have to be like, Hey, my neighbor doesn't come out of their house. Are they a vampire? Like they have to like, you know what I mean? And it's like, no, I just, 
I just don't want to see you. You know? <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, seriously, seriously. I feel like, I'm on yeah. an empire. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Dimitri, I don't see you outside, and you're only up at yeah. night. Like, are you a vampire? Well, people have actually asked Dimit- me that. So the answer is no. The answer is no, I'm not. Uh, uh, Dimitri, I do, I do want to just jump in and say that I had, I had similar feelings about the Oscar play. Uh, I, I think that that was, yeah. I think Kevin Feige is, is hurting a little bit from Black Panther. And, and let me be clear, justifiably, Black Panther, not one of the Oscar, was yeah, it was inexcusable. Like, oh, totally, yeah, that was huge, huge oversight. Um, but I think he wants. I, it. I, 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 I disagree. I disagree about that. By the way, Uh-oh. I love, you feel I love way. Black I mean, Panther. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna, okay. I love Black Panther to death. Act three, sure. no. So, uh, Marvel has a problem with their Act threes, which yeah, will lead right. me into yeah. the Eternals. Eternals Act three, I had no problem with. I loved Eternals right. Act three, and I mean, we'll get to it, quote unquote, chronologically. But like, <laughs> Eternals had an amazing Act three to me that Black mm. Panther and Shang Chi did not. Both of both Black Panther and Shang Chi. I loved Act One. I loved Act Two, and then Act Three comes, and I'm like, "Oh man, you dropped the ball. You fumbled it. What?" They derail it a little bit. And yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and so I will so just that's hop why, in like, and say Black one Panther thing to me. Yeah. 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 Just on that point, regardless of the third act problem, I do think Black Panther should have beat Green Book for Best Picture. I just want to make that. Clear. Oh, let's draw oh, that yes, line in the yes. same <laughs> of the options right. that were available. Thank <laughs> goodness. I agree. That that I agree with. There are shitty movies that are that win Oscar like Best Picture. Right. I you know, and that's didn't fair dan- to say. Yeah. Didn't Dances with Wolves beat beat Goodfellas, if I remember correctly? I believe is that dan- is the yeah, yeah. The crime of the century. Unforgivable. <laughs> oh my well, god. And it's it, it's funny you're saying that because I think that there's an interesting phenomenon happening right now where I, I didn't want to talk about this right away, yeah. but like let, we might as well address this now and get it out of the way. Yeah. Um there's a weird sort of reaction that people have, regardless of like what their preferred universe is, whether it's Marvel, whether it's DC, whether it's Star Wars, whatever, mm-hmm. where people yeah. look at Rotten Tomatoes and, and critical reviews is like the end all. Yeah. And I don't want to come across as a, as a person who's like, critics don't matter. Because I worked as a movie critic briefly. Like, I have respect for that profession. But I also think at the end of the day, you have to decide for yourself what you think is good and bad. 100%. You know, and, and something like Rotten Tomatoes, which just creates this binary like good, bad, you know. Eternals is at like a, a roughly like 40-ish to 50%, which really just means like people are half and half on it. So you got to go see it for yourself and make a decision, you know? I just, but and honestly, I, is it worse yeah. than Thor, Thor The Dark World? Is that where we're at in MCU? Yeah. That is crazy to me. <laughs> it's insane right. to me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Or, or uh, Iron I, Man 2 and 3, which I don't even like. I like Iron Man yeah. 1. Yeah. I, th- that's the only thing that's taking me out with the critics. Critics do I matter. Think- but you should make I it think, your own too. Yeah, I think critics are a little burned out on the MCU. I think that's part of it. Yeah. And I think the Scorsese effect. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think yeah. there are also, again, I don't want to cast aspersions. I don't want to make judgment calls, but I'm going to do exactly that in a second. So here we go. Uh, but I think there's a lot of critics out there who like were like Chloe Zhao, this like indie darling, this like rising star in the independent film community, is doing a Marvel movie, and they immediately yeah. were like 
checked she out. She sold out. Right. Yeah, she sold out. Right. I read that right. review. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, she's right. casting a wider net on what she can accomplish as a director. Like, what are you talking about? Right. And on the flip side of that, right. I like this movie a lot. I, I love a lot of this movie. I also recognize it has some problems. <laughs> the same problems yeah. that exist in 70s Jack Kirby comics for the most part. So, you know, right. I go in and they're giving a whole spiel about cosmic space gods hatching from Earth. And I'm like, hell yeah, I'm loving this. But I can imagine the average person who doesn't give a crap about this stuff is like, what am I watching? Right, this right. is like nonsense yeah. to me. This means nothing to me. Why yeah. should I care? On the scale, then. Two like, things I want to talk about. Oh, oh, sorry. Oh, uh, I'm sorry. I, I interrupted I you. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It's all right. We will get to kind of what you were talking about. But basically, uh, I want to talk about, um, like, the review bombing that I feel mm. that it happened. I don't know whether, is there any proof? But let's talk about these. This uh, I just want to say something about critic stuff. And then, if you could sum up your experience with Eternals, the movie, and then we can break into the the specifics if you could sum it up in a couple sentences um um we can start that you know and then we can kind of explain and and kind of go from there but the critics i feel like there yeah there were a lot of people review bombing um as as far as i heard um there was a lot of people hating on the movie before it came out woke is you know go woke go broke right people would say um, which is ridiculous. And if anyone wants to debate me on that, you could debate me on that. Like, go woke, go broke. What? Not, I don't mean you two. I mean anyone no, no. out there who's watching or listening, you know? Uh, I'm, I'm, I also make a, make a big thing where I don't invite racists onto the show. So, uh, That's a good so start. congratulations. Yeah, congratulations for clearing that bar at the very <laughs> The least. very low but bar yes. of not being racist. This is Earth's yes. core at this right. point, the bar. We're tripping right. on it daily. Yeah. Alongside right. Tiamat, the right. sleeping celestial, it is at Earth's yeah. core. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, I did a tweet on it, and basically I was like, there are people out there that are essentially saying, like, uh, I'm not going to watch this movie. This is going to be a horrible movie. But if they cast all white actors, it would have been a great movie. So, wait, what? So, I, okay, anyway. Um, but but what was I saying? Oh, uh, yeah, I think there was, like, review review bombing going on. And I think that, like, was. Rotten Tomatoes, uh, like, has a problem. <clears throat> like, just by definition, being binary. Did you like it or did you hate it? And just aggregating that like score or averaging that score technically, and it's like, uh, I don't know. There's a problem with that, right? So one of my TikTok videos kind of got a lot of traction. Straw Hat Goofy stitched it, which I was like, uh -huh. I woke up in like some weird land where he's stitching my video. I was like, <laughs> anyway. So I, I was talking about review bombing and other people were stitching it and bringing up examples from the past and what review bombing actually means and. Eternals did get review bombed on IMDb because it's so much easier to do mm. it that way. I think Rotten Tomatoes has certain criteria now on how you can review films. They're not going to give you audience score prior to the movie anymore. So, but IMDb works a little bit different. You're not going to find it anymore because they shut it off. They deleted basically all of those reviews. Um, but somebody brought up a good point. Anytime you have a movie with any sort of diversity at its center. It doesn't have to be a movie, video game, The Last of Us 2 got review bombed for featuring a female character and a, another female character and a trans character. Um, the Last Jedi, another one that got review bombed, Captain Marvel. There was hate groups that were trying to um, review bomb Black, Black Panther. 
whole videos are yeah. made about Shang-Chi, about movie bombing. This is all prior to these movies coming out. So there's all these examples about movies with high, high number of diversity getting, basically people are out there to make them look polarizing, AKA divide the base, I mean the fan base, so that we, it creates this negative cloud and this negative discourse around a piece of property. So an internal spell to it as well. So yeah, unfortunately, it, I, and I do think it's worth mentioning there is a distinction between what happens with review bombing and professional critics because I think correct. sometimes people yeah. conflate the two. Like review yes, bombing is just right. trolls on the internet. That's it. Eternals, unfortunately, and I say unfortunately because I enjoyed the film, but like unfortunately has a lot of negative reviews from professional critics. Unfortunately, um, yes. Right. Now, what, what motivates those critics, I think you could get more into an argument about those, because reading some of the professional reviews, it's like, you've written a very unprofessional review where you clearly have harmful Oh, I read, I read one, and I could not believe that that's yeah. what passed for a professional review in Rotten Tomato. Like, yeah. the one of the reviews, he called Angelina Jolie mentally unstable. Yeah. I'm not kidding. In, in, a, in a professional, stuff. egregious, like, how is this allowed? Like, and I wanted to post and it on my TikTok. I'm like, but I'm just going to invite like, this course. I read one that had some pretty, like, racially charged comments towards um, uh, Gemma Chan that were like, okay, this is, I, I, it's on Rotten Tomatoes. It's like a professional critic. So, so those, are, those yeah. are rags. Right. Those are not good publications. But there are also no. legitimate people out there who are just like, yes. Absolutely. And I've read some of those negative reviews yeah. this morning, and I'm like, yeah, these are legit criticisms. No, let's not let's not pretend like oh I have to love a movie right. because we feel obligated to love. There are good aspects about this movie. There are bad aspects of this movie. So, you know what I mean? Right. I think if nobody you discuss it in good faith. No, no, yeah, no, nobody has to uh, uh, like all Marvel movies, hate all DC movies because right. some DC fans see it that <laughs> way, and it's really weird, it's, especially as a fan of DC and Marvel. But DC fans used to say that Disney pays for good critics i was just gonna to say do that their marvel movies but like eternals isn't doing that great uh uh, uh, uh you know in, in far, as far as the score is concerned not all marvel movies do that great percentage wise and like it doesn't mean disney's paying for it right uh, no, but there's almost this expectation right? that you have to love every marvel movie regardless it's like the, the that kind of pressure i mean movie can break under that you know what i mean the Right, but you're right. Competition, like right. I, I think DC fans couldn't wait for a bad Marvel movie. This is not a bad movie. Right. Let's just put it put it to bed right now. But I sometimes I feel right. that way when I read these comments. Yeah, and those DC fans should have gone out and supported the Suicide Squad in theaters. Yes, and I guess they didn't. Even though it was a, it was a solid movie, it was great, and then I love that it movie. didn't do too well in the box office. Yeah, no, I did not. It well, did not. And, and I of that is. There was a, an interview that I read where she was like, oh, you know, uh, one of the sort of like things that motivated me to want to do this film was seeing Zack Snyder's Man of Steel and seeing the sort of like beauty and aesthetic he brought to it. I was like, wow, irony of ironies. And I, you know, you watch it and you're like, yeah, I think Zack Snyder and Chloe Zhao kind of like do have a similar visual aesthetic. I think Zack Snyder's more adept at like big uh, over the top action sequences. But I think uh -huh. they do have a similar eye for cinematic panoramic beauty. Oh, and, yeah, absolutely. Uh -huh. And I think this film, in terms of its tone, is kind of what I like to see from a more serious comic book story. I think a lot of times when we say, yeah. like, this is going to be a serious superhero film or story, it's usually very, like, 
cynical. It's very violent. It's very um, dark Blue. and has this <laughs> pessimistic edge to it. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I appreciate the fact that she's like, no, this is a film that is meant to be about the hope that we all have for humanity, about That's finding it. beauty in the world around us. And it's treated very seriously. And I think that the success of the MCU up until this point has been that the stories are very heartfelt and earnest and sincere, but there's also that edge to it where it's like, ah, eh, we're all just kind of having fun. We're goofing around here. That's it. And I think right. for some people, this film taking itself more seriously than the average MCU film took towards has MMI. checked it took a lot itself of seriously. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is not a bad thing, but I can yeah. also understand if you're like, look, listen, a god is going to punch a hole through the earth and we have to stop him. If you're like, this is too <laughs> weird for me, I totally get that perspective. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's um, uh, uh, let's talk about our like couple sentence uh, review of the movie, uh, and we can each go with it. Uh, I'll go last. I would love to hear your uh, your two uh, rev- essentially couple sentence review, and then we can go into the nitty gritty because uh, there's a lot of nitty gritty to go into. Uh, before actually we do, I want to shout out Marvelous Johnny out there. Uh, Marvelous Johnny oh. says from a visual perspective, visual perspective, I love the film. Marvelous Johnny also says more evidence to the fact that Brie Larson was right. Uh, I do agree with that because the critics, what are the demographics of the critics? Are you telling me there's 50% female critics out there? That should be the easiest thing to do. There should be 50% of everything. That's it. Like at the very basic male to female 50%. Like, and by the way, I'm, 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 you know, percentages are, are weird, but yes, 50, like why not half half? Like, let's just, you know, um, and so uh, I think that the demographics of critics are, are uh, kind of what messes things up. Also, how elitist are the critics? Do they represent different types of fans? Because a lot of the critics are going to side with Scorsese being like, oh, this isn't true cinema. Like, I know. will. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that being said, I don't want to discount anyone who didn't like the movie. Uh, for for legitimate reasons. If it's a legitimate reason, it's a legitimate reason. Uh, right. Sir John on YouTube says first thing: Joe Pesci is so cute. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we'll calibrate according to that. Um, <laughs> Sir John says I'm just broke. As as in uh, in reference to go woke go broke. Sir John says I'm just broke. And then Sir John also says Eternals was also a bad movie though. And that's fine. Mm. Everybody's allowed their opinion. Now, the question is why? If you said, because they showed a gay kiss, it's the world's worst movie, then it's like, ah, man. um, You're done. I mean, you're done. Yeah, I mean, that's, (laughs) you know, what are we, how are we going to change? Like, nothing can change your mind then, you know? Um, But uh, yes, I would love to hear your guys' reviews on on the movie. Uh, However long, I guess you want to, but not a monologue. We'll get into it. Uh, JJ, I've been talking to you. Who wants to go first? first? Um, yeah, sure. Um, I think this movie is fine. I, I think that was my impression when I came out of it. It's, it's fine. Is it going to like make me feel the things Infinity War did? No, not a lot of films do that, to be fair. That, that movie made me feel all, all types of things. Um, I don't like exposition. I, it narratively, it doesn't do anything for me. This is an exposition-heavy film that... Um, tells me everything and doesn't show me much. 
what else? Um, I thought the pacing was kind of all over the place, a little bit clunky. Um, it undercuts some of the action scenes. It takes away from the characters that I wanted to see more of. Like somebody, somebody would be doing something, doing a fight scene, and the camera just sort of gets away from that that, that character. And I'm like, it doesn't stay on. Like Athena, for example, a lot of cool scenes around Athena being creating weapons out of uh, um, energy, and the scene kind of undercuts her. So some of those shots didn't really work for me. Um, it was really slow in a lot of places. I would have used some of the time to develop some other things personally. Um, other than that, I thought the movie was really beautiful. Um, I think it adds a lot of value to the overall cinematic universe, the whole spiritual kind of philosophical grand scheme things that I think Marvel needs to get away from, you know, just one bad guy, Thanos. Let's go somewhere else. Um, what else? Like I said, I just saw it last night, so my I'm still like collecting a lot of my thoughts. Um, it deserves a second and third viewing. I want to pick up on the details. Best part of this movie is the characters, period. This is a reason to see this movie. It's the characters. Um, really enjoyed uh, Gilgamesh a lot. I thought he was my favorite character in the whole movie. <laughs> I liked uh, Athena. I think Angelina Jolie did really, really well with the character. She didn't overwhelm the movie with her star power. So kudos to Chloe Zhao to treat her basically as everybody else. You know what I mean? Being the biggest star in this film. Uh, really like Druig. I didn't expect that. The whole mystery that surrounds him, least amount of exposition around his character. And he delivers one of those uh, lines when they're in, um, uh, in South America, when they're watching genocide happen, his inability or him being told you can't do anything and he has to suffer and live with that. I was like, that was my favorite, one of my favorite moments. I thought, I thought that um, landed a really good emotional impact. So if I'm going to rate this movie, I'm giving it seven and a half out of 10 right now. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Yeah, I, I was rambling. I no, 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 no. No, no, no. No, it's good. Points. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that the the film really lives or dies based on like how much you don't mind exposition. You know what I mean? Like I, I agree with you completely. And I, you know, going back to my comment from earlier, I remember reading the early reviews and people were like, oh, you know, it's very exposition heavy. There's a lot of info dumps. There's maybe too many ideas, too many characters. I'm like, I don't know, it sounds like a 70s Jack Kirby comic. It sounds like they nailed right. it, if I'm being honest. And, you know, I kind of went in like, you know, it, it is a film that I recognize a lot of the flaws and I think I'm able to look past the flaws. Um, more than the average person because it did evoke a lot of the feeling of those comics that I love so much. Right, um, right. But I think I agree with you. I think like that's the caveat I would give. My sister-in-law texted me and was like, what did you think? Like, like what are your thoughts? And she's like, well, uh, if you like info dumps, if you like that big kind of like discussion of these cosmic things, then you'll probably end up loving the movie. If that's something that's going to be too much of a barrier of entry for you, right. this movie's not going to work for you. Um, but I do agree that I think part of what makes it work is the characters. Um, Chloe Zhao put together an incredibly charismatic crew of actors. Amazing. New and old, yeah. Who I think really sell a lot of the emotional weight of the film and present themselves in this really interesting way because these are meant to be people who are literally mythological figures, right? They, they are demigods. Um, and yet they found these really great ways to tap into 
the humanity of these characters right. in really interesting and different ways. And whether it's whether it's Druig or whether it's like Fastos's regret over Hiroshima, um, yeah, humanity's technological prowess or like Cersei's sense of self doubt that she feels over the course of the film. Um, I think that it brings up a theme that I feel like is very relevant to our times now, which is what do you do in a scenario where the most horrible things you can imagine are happening around you and you're being told that's just the way it is and you have to accept that. And yeah, and sure, it is told through colorful space gods who shoot lasers from their eyes, but that general idea of the clock is ticking, something horrible is going to happen and you have the power to stop it, but everyone is telling you no, is I think a really thematically potent and relevant idea. Whether it's whether we're talking about systemic racism, whether we're talking mm -hmm. about climate change, there's so many things you can apply that metaphor to. Um, and because of that, that really resonated with me. Um, right. I see a lot of the flaws in it, um, but I'm also someone where if you can win me over emotionally, I'll look over all the flaws in the world. Uh, it is no nuance November, and that is my very nuanced <laughs> on this particular film. <laughs> this is why I need to watch it again, just so I can pick up on those emotional and small details, because totally, I was just yeah, so yeah. focused on the big picture being so unknown to this universe. Like, give me right. the info that I need. But like the exposition between the characters is what usually kind of annoys me. It's like, you are Athena, the goddess of war, repeated like twice. Like, <laughs> we've heard it once. We kind of get the idea what she yeah, is. But yeah. I heard it say three times. I was like, <laughs> run it down. Like, they keep like referring to each other in third person. It was just... Right. very distracted so this movie to me needs more viewing that i can appreciate like you what you were just saying the small stuff the emotional yeah. impact of it so yeah. hmm. oh what would you, you give it uh uh out of 10 brian what would you give it i don't know i i think i have to sit with it a couple more times before i can really give it a firm ranking ironically yeah. i feel like i'm probably in a, a similar range to jj <laughs> Where I'm like, I'd probably put in like a like 7.5 or 8 out of 10. Mm -hmm. um, I think yeah. that I I just can overlook the flaws a lot more because it, like I said, it evokes a lot of right. movie things, which I have such a strong emotional attachment to. Um, that made me say like, yeah, I think this movie, I, I'm someone who was always going to appreciate something that is ambitious and imperfect versus something that is enjoyable and entertaining but doesn't do anything unique or interesting which when you say that it's kind of funny reading some of the reviews oh we don't want another formula from formulaic marvel movie here you go but i don't like that way i don't like that way <laughs> <laughs> so it's hard it's, it's difficult they're very difficult yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Anyone who says, and I saw a person on Facebook write that it was formulaic. It was not. Anyone who says that is lying to themselves. What yeah, formula? No. It's, it's not. Um, it's the classic formula my, of 10 people have to stop God from punching through the earth. The earth. <laughs> as old as time. We've all seen this a million right. times. And a bunch of people, right. people demigods, sort of... Uh, embracing their humanity, unable to stop genocide, slavery, Holocaust, like, yeah, formula yeah, yeah. as hell. That yeah, happens all the time. <laughs> uh, it, okay, so... <laughs> the bitch is all like... <laughs> I, I wrote, 
I wrote notes to myself to keep it all together, and I think I can I can do this in a in a sort of review sort of way. First things first, I think that uh, this movie is unlike any other Marvel movie in the fact that it's a serious science fiction epic. And with that comes a lot of exposition and lore dump. It's more akin to Dune than it is to any other Marvel movie. That's, the, yeah. the exposition in Dune was ridiculous. So it's not quite there, but like, there was... That's so funny. I mean, why do I have to read a novel in the beginning of this movie? Why was there that scroll screen that like looked like they tacked it on at the end? So there was a flaw oh, there that I'll that. get into later. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think it should have been said in, uh, in in the dialogue that it was. It was also said, a lot of it was said in the dialogue. And then they just put it there just in case people, you know, came into the movie and like, I don't know, whatever. They, they, would they knew. As they went on. I don't know. Yeah. Well, they, they knew, knew what I thought. A lot of yeah, newcomers. They, they, they knew yeah. a lot of newcomers yeah. like me. So like, they don't trust my intelligence. So they're going to tell me. <laughs> Somebody is yeah. a goddess of war seven times until it lands. And I'm like, <laughs> right. I'm but fairly I, smart, not the smartest, but I get things. <laughs> yeah. But what's funny is yeah. like I, when I saw that, I was like, like getting pumped in my seat because it made me think of New Gods number one, which opens on like this big wall of text that's just like, there came a time when the old gods died. And I'm like, yeah, this is Kirby, baby. I'm eating it up. Let's do <laughs> I, this. <laughs> You're the outline. You're on the fringe. I know, I know. Yeah. Yeah. And I recognize Uh, it's also my very weird taste. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. I could agree. Uh, So uh, when it it comes to this movie, it's it's not for everyone. People, People say that Marvel movies are trying to be everything for everybody. And this movie is not that case. And I'm fine with that. It's a... uh, Like we can we can critique the technical stuff, whether it's the writing or the whatever. But I think that a lot of it is a matter of taste, and whether you like this specific brand of science. This is a very specific brand of science fiction that is 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 closest to like the only the closest they've gotten to before this point is Guardians of the Galaxy. But even then, that was tongue-in-cheek a little bit. It was sarcastic. It was funny. Guardians of the Galaxy had to cut the serious science fiction stuff with a lot of comedy. Uh, yeah, James Gunn was the only one. Yeah, that's true. And again, right. with Guardians, it's extremely campy, but it works for, for what they were trying to do with that particular um, brand of right. uh, storytelling. It works on right. that one. For this one, you can't afford, you can't do camp and excessive humor when the subject matter is yeah. so heavy, right. and it is. So right. it's, it's heavy, it's, a it's serious. It's a science fiction epic and versus a space opera, like a comedic space opera, space opera. which was yep. Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Guardians of the Galaxy, and space opera, about- this was serious, like, science fiction. Yeah. To your point about Dune, it also shows, like, as I think Dune has resonated with audience much more strongly than this film has. Yeah. And I think part of that is because Dune did the smart thing of making it a two-part film, where they had a lot mm. more room to, yes, there are info dumps, but 
without getting into too many spoilers, there's some crazy stuff that's about to happen in the second half of that book. Oh, and yeah. I can't oh, even imagine trying to cram all of that into one film. Oh, yeah, um, and JJ, wild. Uh, well, and even just like finishing the first half of book one, you know yeah. what I mean? Like there's, there's so much that um, they didn't even get into. And I think that was ultimately the smart decision because they avoided a problem that I think this film faces a lot, which is you have a lot of elements that could have used more development. And I know speaking personally, like I would have loved to have seen more development. So many of these side characters, I think are so yeah. interesting and have such rich backgrounds. And I mean, these characters lived for thousands of years. What were they doing in all of this time? Can There's I offer? Whole, yeah. yeah, yeah. Can I offer yeah. a hot take? Go for it. Disney Plus series. It should have been. <laughs> I, I yeah, was good. I, I, yes. I think that's a valid yes. take. That's a valid take. Just, yeah. just to build everybody, all these characters, build the the, the philosophy behind the myth behind it. Like you're squeezing what seven thousand years of mythos in this two-hour movie. And maybe that's where I was yeah. like so jarred with everything, you know what I mean? That I couldn't not, pick up on this yeah. small stuff. Not to mention yeah, this should have been a, a Disney Plus uh, show. Not to mention in the original Jack Kirby comic, there's a really fascinating amount of world building that goes on with the deviants that the film doesn't even touch. Where the deviants right. and uh, so to kind of do a quick like comic sidebar here, mm. Fina in the comics becomes this really interesting ambassador to the deviants where she starts to be, she becomes romantically involved with Crow, the deviant, who looks like, who looks like purple Satan in the comics. Um, and she starts to say like, the deviants are not monsters we were led to believe that they are. And she kind of brings these two deviants, one named um, uh, Ransack, the, Ransack the Reject, who is just a hot dude. He just looks like a hot dude where all the deviants are like, oh, he's this hideous monster. Get him out of here. We hate him. And then there's another one called Carcass, who's this big, like, kind of, like, devil dinosaur looking monster, but he has this very, like, gentle soul. So she brings, like, the two of them into Celeste, or, uh, Eternal Society to be like, look, like, this is proof. Like, we're going to work with them and we're going to, like, introduce them to the world and show you that, like, deviants are not the monsters we believe them to be. So there's a whole incredible subplot there that the film doesn't even have time to touch <laughs> because yeah. there's so much going on with just the Eternals and Celestial side of things. The yeah. characters, the philosophy, um, everything, yeah. 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 Um with with this I, I agree that it should have been a disney plus show captain uh falcon and the winter soldier should have been a movie you could have switched these two falcon and winter soldier movie uh -huh. eternals uh tv show i can see and, that and when we say tv show we don't mean a bump down in quality disney plus no. keeps the quality hbo keeps their quality with their shows you can do a quality eternals movie and show them in their different lives and and do that sort of thing and really explore these characters. Especially, it's a movie with 10 characters. And that is putting you on your back foot as a filmmaker, as a writer, from okay. the get-go. I'd okay. like to believe that as a writer myself, that I could write a movie that had 10 characters be all leads. And even I know that would be tough. My optimal X-Men movie has seven characters in my head. But that, it's like, yeah. that's a lot. That's a lot, though, you know? Um, and so uh, so my, all the biggest critiques of this movie is, did it need to happen? Eternals could not have happened, and the MCU would have been fine without it. 
So there must have been a point, and I'm trying to figure out the point. I also yeah. think that this movie was a fuck you to DC. As much as we say Chloe Zhao liked Man of Steel, uh, I think this movie was essentially the comic book's version of the Squadron Supreme. In the comic books, we have Justice League analogs in the Squadron Supreme in Marvel, just so we can see Superman get beat up, Batman get beat up. Like, there's the Squadron Supreme in the comics. They will never do the Squadron Supreme in the movies, and this is their Squadron Supreme. So this was them being like, I can do the Flash better than you, and we'll get to that. That we, that we can keep later, because uh, we'll go yeah. through each of these characters. And and so to me, there was too many, too many points where I'm like, this seems like a fuck you or I can do it better. Anything you can do, I can do better. Uh, Justice League esque movie, and that's what I like. That's what I saw with this movie. Uh, and I do think it may be the best act three that I've seen in a Marvel movie, um, or most structurally sound act three, because Endgame had a really good act three to me, but it was really just a bunch of fighting, like, and faceless hordes and that sort of thing. Whereas this was like a solid act three with the twist leading us uh, into the act three. So uh, I give it an eight out of 10. Uh, I, I, I think I'm hesitant to say eight out of 10, but I know that if I watched it one more time, I would be solid with my eight out of 10. Right now, you're right, seven, seven point five. But I think if I saw it a second time, I'd say eight. So I'm gonna to get. Be, it. Yeah. I'm gonna say eight. To pick up on was the new ones, second time. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't know if I fully agree with it's the the fu to DC, but it is funny that there bit. are there yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it's too it close. It is funny that there are so close. many parallels. Yeah, no. Well, and it's it's even funnier when you have Fastest's kid literally calling Icarus Superman. Which oh, yeah, right. oh that's the yeah. biggest that's too much. It was too much. I'm like they bring up Batman and Alfred. Batman and Alfred and yeah. they bring up uh Clark Kent and Superman. There this is the first time we've ever seen Marvel do that, as far as I remember. It has yeah. to well, be in the movies, on purpose. Yes, yes. It has to be. It has to be on purpose. Right. Right. But I don't think they're gonna I don't think they're gonna sink a two hundred million dollars into spite. Maybe yeah. they do it. I don't know, but <laughs> but yeah. I do. I do think that the uh, the sort of like DC uh, uh, tonal idea of these are gods living among us, which is often a way people kind of look at the DC characters, is definitely present and there, um, and and a key aspect of this film. Like I can't deny that there are certainly DC Comics influences in this movie. Right. Oh. I mean, and also, also Eternals was written after Jack Kirby wrote New Gods for DC. So in yeah, a weird you way, a lot of time writing like, Superman, yeah, yeah, and, and in the Jimmy Olsen comic, all, yeah, it's it's meta, right? Like yes. it, it seems to me like this, it's this meta DC versus Marvel kind of like tone. I don't know, <laughs> in a, in a weird meta way. That's just that's just me. It, no, it I does. can see that. It mirrors some of the superhero uh, ideas with the Justice League, for sure, especially with Speedster, for sure. Like, yeah, some of the problems. Uh, Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman, Flash, Cyborg, which is Fastos, because Fastos not only invented things, he had arm cannons, okay? Uh, Obviously, obviously Superman, 
obviously Superman, that was and the then the rest one, yeah. of the people, you know, yeah. They're kind of their own thing. I mean, yeah, Superman, but, but, uh, he was Superman. But <laughs> it's kind of a dig, a dig at Marvel in their own movie that the kid would reference Superman and not another caped hero like Thor <laughs> or something else. It's right, like, that's what was weird. <laughs> Well, I, yeah. I don't they know. They wanted if this to was... draw the parallels. They had to right. have wanted well, to. At least a little bit in some aspect, for sure. Especially well, and, Icarus, yeah. And maybe this reinforces yeah. your point, Dimitri, but I think the implication is because the Eternals inspired so many stories throughout history, I think the implication we're supposed to take away is that Siegel and Schuster in the MCU were inspired by Icarus to create Superman. Because they have the whole conversation of like, that might be a I mean, maybe that's a reach. Maybe that's a reach. But you have the whole conversation where like Sprite is explicitly supposed to have been the inspiration for Tinkerbell, which is from Neil Gaiman. Oh, yeah. No, no, like, no. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good no, point. that is, that is movie, in Neil Gaiman's run on Eternals. But, oh, okay, but the that's comic? the whole thing. But in the comic, Sprite meets J.M. Barry, and it like gave him the inspiration for Peter Pan. Um, that's because dumb. Sprite is a so dumb. <laughs> it's also a very Neil Gaiman thing to do, though. Yeah, that stories, isn't it? Um, yeah. But the but it's all of the but all the characters are their names are literally meant to evoke mythological figures. So right. Kirby's right. whole idea right. was these were the alien creatures that inspired the myths of all of these different civilizations. <sighs> right. I get that, but that it like they're the inspiration for current pop culture in the last hundred years is so weird. Look, I don't know what to tell you. I, don't, <laughs> I didn't ask. I didn't ask. They've been alive for oh, a long by time. the way, <laughs> also you got it, Dimitri. Yeah. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, not only do they compare Icarus to Superman, which is a one-for-one reference, but they also right. bring up Batman and Alfred for Kingo and Karun. Right. Yeah. And right. like right. that has nothing to do with Batman. The Kingo has nothing to do with Batman. But like they drew that why? Why did they draw that parallel? Because he's not in anywhere compared to that. I think it's just think we could bring up DC. We could bring up DC in our head right. and be like, this is better. That's if that's I what had I to pull out a comparison, I think it's that. Kingo is the Eternal who is a publicly known famous figure in the same way Bruce Wayne is, is a yeah, publicly known true. famous figure. That's the, that's where the comparison it's, ends. That's the only real, that's yeah. where it ends, but I think that's the parallel you could draw yeah. if you're trying to. The fame of it's, the character. It's, it's weird. <laughs> you're really hung up on this. You really are, yeah. <laughs> There's going to be a whole uh, conspiracy it's, theory. It's, it, <laughs> well, it, it's, it's for a reason. It's for a reason. That's all I know. <laughs> It has to be. Uh, well, it, it was, was funny so to me, she was, when I was thinking of this, the thing I thought you were going to be really into, I was like, this is the ultimate Dimitri movie. It's about a team. There's multiple shipping options. I feel like you were in yes. heaven watching this movie. Uh, uh, you guys want to talk about shipping? <laughs> <laughs> Always. Let's do it. Uh, uh, first thing, Icarus and Cersei so bland. So bland. How, how do you have two of the most beautiful people on the planet? They're so gorgeous, not have an ounce of sexual chemistry. It was, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Like how? How yeah. is that possible? The only I, thing I, I will like, say in defense I, of that uh-oh. is I feel like in the, no, 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 because I do agree with you. I do agree with you. But in the early scenes, it feels like 
a, an acting choice somewhat on the part of Richard Madden. And I'm not saying it was a good choice, mm. but it feels like in some of the early scenes, they're playing Cersei and Ajax almost like these like fresh off the assembly line robots. Mm. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah you know what that. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, what did I say? I don't know. Uh, but it felt like in you a lot Ajax, of those early yeah. sequences. Oh, sorry. Yes, yes. Uh, it felt like they were playing Icarus and Cersei as kind of these like sort of like tabula rasa fresh off the like assembly line yeah. blank slates that evolve personalities over time through more exposure to humanity that being said yeah. i do agree it could have been a little bit better <laughs> but, here, but here's the thing that's all good and fine you're a robot reset ready to go i get that but like <laughs> gilgamesh and thena had way more chemistry in like right. two scenes that they were sharing supposed to lovers that were together for five thousand years like no i I just, I didn't buy it. They should have smooched. Um, they should have kissed. They should have kissed. 100%. They should have kissed, and I keep saying it. I keep saying it and hey. shouting it for crew drops, and people are like, no, no, no. They're just like warrior best friends. Please. This is how, these are the same people that are like, these are the same people that are like, oh, yeah, my aunt, she has a roommate that she's lived with for 30 years, but, like, <laughs> Janet and my aunt are just friends. They're just roommates. <laughs> that's what, that's that energy. That's that same energy. energy. It's like, what? They, they spent lived, like, centuries together. Yeah. Centuries. They held hands. They held hands. He cooked. He cleaned. Like, they were, like, it was, and then Emotional intimacy. And, like, there was an emotional intimacy. Somebody brought up the fact that, like, oh, Athena had dementia, so she wasn't capable of love. And I'm like, what? Wait a minute. That's a take. What? That's Not a good one. Yeah. Not a good one. That's, yeah, their yeah, take was that weird. Gilgamesh <laughs> loved her. Gilgamesh loved her, and she didn't love him because she, oh. like, had her dementia. And I'm like, what? Any? <laughs> but that's like that's like saying the the old lady to make the notebook sure it can't exist. be in love. Like, say that again. Right. I said that's like saying the old people from the notebook can't be in love. It's like they Seriously. were clearly in love before she had <laughs> exactly. her space god dementia affect her. The thing is, she didn't even dementia. That's not even the right word. She has flashes yeah. of her memories right, right, being right. just like attacking her current state right. of mind. It doesn't mean she doesn't remember Gilgamesh and their intimate moments, right, and caring right. about her, sacrificing himself for her. I it was a, the biggest missed opportunity in the world. I agree. They had more yeah. chemistry, more connection than the lovers of five thousand years, which to me was just yeah. very surprising. Yeah. By the way, how cute how cute is Don Lee playing Gilgamesh? Just oh, he's perfect. just oh, a super so cute great. guy. Yeah, and like I, he managed to I be funny to and emotional and tough and just yeah. every everything that I imagine in a good character, he was that for me. Gilgamesh is yeah. is like the pinnacle of healthy masculinity, in my opinion. Yeah, like that's yeah. like the opposite of toxic masculinity. It's right, perfectly, perfectly described right there. Right. And I, I just people people need to be simping over him, like like <laughs> he's everything. But like, but like Icarus, on the other hand, uh, marvelous Johnny, marvelous Johnny is uh, obviously brings up a good point that that you know we're obviously talking about right now. Icarus and Cersei threw me for emotions, says marvelous Johnny. Just seeing their toxic relationship, Icarus was a toxic mm. boyfriend, a toxic uh, yeah. husband or whatever, toxic ex. Like he was manipulating, he was controlling, 
and then I mean literally abusive because he's throwing punches right like yeah that's not goals no I mean they're a complicated couple I get it not every couple ever should just be going to movies and holding hands who the hell wants to watch that you know what I mean? Like, give, give me conflict. Give me a little bit of toxicity. I can handle it in my, in my fictional movie. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. A little bit of spice. You know what I mean? It's I get that. But it's right. like, that was the connection and the romance and the relationship that was supposed to be the heart of this movie. Right. It yeah. was not. I, it missed the mark. Which is too bad because right. I think I think Gemma Chan's performance as Cersei is overall really good. I I really yeah, connected she with the character, really well. and I think yeah, I think her journey uh, from the like uncertainty to realizing she has to step up into this leadership position mm. is really well realized. And I think the the kind of like I don't want to call it dead weight because I think they play the parts well, but I think it just like lacked that connection to be as strong as it needed to be. Mm. Right. Um, yeah, because I think that could have had so much great grand tragedy to it if it had yeah. connected a little bit better or been pulled the, off a little bit yeah. better. It would have been impact like, at the end, yeah. Yeah, yeah. As it stands, it's like two good, interesting characters separately, but could have had that third element that would have really cemented a great story. That could be probably I, maybe uh, they were, they were, the way they were directed, the day, how they were told to act. Who knows? It just for me, I didn't connect with them sure. like this. Like this, yes, not this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I have some thoughts about Icarus and Cersei. Icarus, a uh, Richard Madden. You could tell he's a handsome guy. He's a good-looking guy. He is Superman-esque, yeah. right? He's conventional. That being said, like he's kind of boring. He's boring in the movie. His face, <laughs> his face is boring, right? Like it. If he's people's number one, okay, it's better than like uh, Blake Sheldon, right? But like, uh, like, <laughs> yes, he's he's an attract like uh, Richard Madden's an attractive man, but like, come on, come on, it means, like, it's, it means we, nothing. It's if you can't emote, if you can't emote. Yeah. you're done now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't really think going end. back to my yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Jimmy. Oh, sorry, real quick. Cersei, on the other hand, I'm going to agree, like, Marvelous Johnny brings up, it was nice to see a POC lead a superhero team. I, I like that. I like the fact way. that she was... Mm. Right. She was, you know, she she was a woman of color uh, leading this team. We think that, like, Icarus is leading the team. It's actually her. Some, her, yep. some of the characters are like, oh, Icarus, we're going to follow Icarus, Icarus, Icarus. That being said, I know you guys liked Gemma Chan as Cersei. I wanted more. I thought she was kind of bland. And that's why I'm like just dismissing Cersei and Icarus. They mm-hmm. were both kind of bland <laughs> for me. Though I do like the fact that she was the main character. I just wish she was more interesting. That's fair. I, can that's see, I can see that. That's fair. I can see that. But I, just, I think going back to our point of when she's kind of stuck with this relationship that's a key aspect of the character, if that doesn't connect for you, it's harder it. to then want to invest in that character. Because I think I think her little like flirtations and moments with with Dane Whitman, with mm-hmm. with uh Kit Harrington, I thought were great. Like I thought yeah, they had definitely. a really cute chemistry yeah. together. It was believable was like, too, I, yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. And I, I think it's also a weird thing where it's like I can't even imagine having to play a character like this where you're this like space god that's lived for 5,000 years. Like there's hard choices that you have to make there as an actor. 
And I also think that it, it, let's talk. If can we talk about the Icarus twist since we're getting into the characters? Yeah, themselves? of course. Yeah, I, yeah. I also think that, and this is no shade to. So I was gonna say to, to, Yeah, this is no shade to. Um, uh, I keep thinking his name is Rob Stark, and that's not his name. <laughs> I um, keep going with yeah, Richard Madden. <laughs> Richard Madden, thank you. Yeah, and it was cool. Richard, but I couldn't remember this. No shade to Richard Madden, who I think is a strong actor, but I think you have that weird, difficult role where you are playing a character who has a secret. And you're playing a character who has to hide that secret from all of these people who are ostensibly your family, knowing you've killed who is ostensibly your mother figure because you are fully committed to this cause that you have always believed is right. Um, again, now whether or not that works for everyone, I, I think that's up for debate. But once you see the twist, there's aspects of his performance where I'm like, I can kind of see what he was going for in a way that I was maybe more critical right. before the twist played out. The twist definitely yeah. was needed um, for this because we keep forgetting these people are listening to instructions from a higher being. Right. And it's not right, you know, and it's not referenced in a, a lot because they're so busy either fighting deviants or trying to look for each other, trying to figure out almost a murder mystery. You keep forgetting there's somebody above their head calling yeah. shots, holding the strings. And I think Icarus kind of reminds you of that once Absolutely. he flips the script on you and subverts that expectation because again. I'm going around thinking, you know, it's going to be Druig. He's so weird. Weird as well. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then it's the, yeah. and then it's a Superman, almost, almost a hero type that does that. And it made sense for that character because, again, he's the toughest. The way he emotes secretly, we needed a reminder. There's a bigger picture behind them. You know what I mean? Absolutely. In in the yeah. Gillen run, there's a great line where he says, like, uh, he says, Icarus is an arrow. You send him in the direction of a problem yeah. and he will fix it. But the problem with an arrow is an arrow will never stray from its course once it's gone in that direction. And I thought that was such like a beautiful way of yeah. interpreting that for this film where he believes this is the right thing to do. He right. believes like, this is my purpose. This is what I was here on this planet to do. So I'm going to follow that instruction because I don't know anything else. <laughs> this is all I've been right. taught to believe and I don't know what else I am if I don't make this happen. And, yeah. and which made that scene when um, he's about to kill Cersei so much more emotional knowing that like that his love overwhelmed that duty for a moment and then he punished yeah. himself sort of. Like you said, Dimitri, the third act of that movie was chef kiss. Great. <laughs> yeah. The, the twist the twist needed to happen because there were a lot of red herrings that they kept throwing in our direction, right? That Crow is the biggest problem that they're going to face. And then they have the Celestial coming out of the Earth and, and Crow being the, the deviant, like, oh, he's going to be so powerful. It's only a matter of time until he gets everybody's powers and becomes like a, nor a, a formulaic Marvel movie would have been Crow killing off Eternals one by one till he becomes all-powerful, and in the end, through the power of love, Cersei turns him into a tree or something. <laughs> like, great. Yeah, you have a point. You, know? you have a point. Yeah, you're yeah. right. That plot point, by the way, where she turned the Deviant into a tree never gets brought back. No, it does, because that's how she turns the Celestial into Marvel. Because she can't, she but says, she she, turn I any... can't do it on, I can't it's do it on, she says that in the early in the film, she says, I can only do it to inorganic matter. And when she turns oh, okay. the, the deviant into a tree, that's the first time she's ever done it on a living thing. Right, but so they're like, but, but I think you're oh, gonna ask the same question. Go ahead, Dimitri. Okay. Because the, the the celestial okay. out of the sea, wasn't that like a golden 
Right, but the celestials... Is that sentient? Oh, boy. Okay, so the celestials are, like, they have armor, but they are, like, living beings. So when she does... Because that's okay. the weird thing about them, is, like, they look like big robots, but they are, like, living creatures. So when she does that, right. she's not just turning, like, a piece of armor into marble. She's, like, turning this gigantic living god into a big marble statue. Okay, that makes more sense. Okay. Because that one threw okay. me off a little bit. Okay. Like you said, it was never brought up again. Yeah. She turned that uh, deviant into a tree, You're right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, it, uh, yeah. Well, what I gathered is she couldn't... Uh, I don't know. There was, there was a couple of things. Now I'm thinking about it. She turned the bus into, into petals, flower petals, yes. right? Yes, yes. And there's the part where she turns flower the tree petals. into water to, like, knock it over. Uh, and she turns so into like flower petals. That's what's so beautiful about yeah. that character, by the way, that she finds creative ways to win battles without really spilling yeah. blood. Her without powers are really blood. cool. Very cool. Very cool. The she tree was the coolest part because she oh, turned yeah, a absolutely. section of it to water and, and then toppled it over. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Wait, I'm going to have to rewatch this okay. movie now to pick up some of these details. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Are you? Yeah. Were you gonna say that are petals technically organic matter and living things, and that's why you're like? Yeah. Oh, did uh, she say? Yeah. I think she. I think the trees. word she used was sent, sentient. You're right. She I think she was with sentient. sentient beings. Sentient beings. Sentient beings. Okay. Okay, then that makes sense, and that works. Yeah. Okay, there is right. a line. She does say that I can't do non-sentient. Uh, I can't do sentient. Yes. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh. I do have yeah, one question okay. that's going to be related to comics, like with this one. And isn't Thanos eternal slash deviant? Yes, he is. Do we want to get into that real fast? Should we do a quick sidebar? Uh, okay. It's been bothering uh, me for 12 hours now. <laughs> uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm going to throw out something real quick and then Brian can correct me. Yeah. Thanos is, Thanos is a eternal born with a deviant gene. Gene. Which yes, is, that is correct. Which is like, which is like somebody, uh, uh, for example, no, I don't want to compare it to real life. It's just, <laughs> don't. The gene is, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, rec it's a recessive, it's a recessive gene right. that has popped up. Right? That's because, where he's all messed up, yeah. yeah. Because in the comics, the the Celestials, or sorry, when the Celestials come to Earth, they basically take primitive man and they tamper with their DNA and they create mm -hmm. the Deviants and they create the Eternals and then there's just uh -huh. regular humans. Uh -huh. So then they're like, we're going to do an experiment. We're going to just kind of leave y'all alone and see what happens. And for those of you who are listening out there, if that sounds familiar, it's because that's literally the same thing that the Kree do with the Inhumans in uh marvel comics as well which is kind okay. of another reason why jack kirby was like i'm doing my own thing with this because i want to explore that mythology right. um so because of that the eternal society uh flourishes there's a hundred eternals that were created mentor who is thanos's father and the father of eros says mm -hmm. we should be allowed to like create real families we should be allowed to breed and propagate Zurus, who is kind of like more Ajax in this film, okay. uh, Zurus is the leader of the Eternals in the comics. He Prime says, Eternal, "No, yeah. the Celestials. Yes, Celestials provided us with everything. We're not supposed to propagate our species. We're just supposed to live forever. That's it. Because we live forever, why would we create more of ourselves? So that creates a schism. Mentor goes off to Titan, creates his own sort of Eternal society where they do propagate and and uh, have children. He has Eros and he has Thanos." 
and Thanos, because Eternals and Deviants are essentially basically from similar genetic material, it's just tampered with more by Celestial. That's how that gene yeah. manifests in Thanos, which is why he yeah. looks and, the way he does. But so why wouldn't yeah, and Thanos is not a deviant though? Thanos is he's an eternal yeah. with a deviant okay. gene. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because I was gonna say if he's if he's got a deviant gene, if he's part deviant, why wouldn't Eternals wipe his wipe him out before he Right. Well, right. because because his father was like, this should be a thing we're allowed to do. Like, we should be able to create this society. And there's a great issue in the Gillen Run, which okay. basically explores like what happened to Mentor, and he like comes back to to the celestial or eternal society, and they're like, so what happened with your little experiment? He's like, it was a bad idea. I should never have done it. And they put him in this prison. They put Mentor in this prison where there's a, a black screen, and there are pixels that illuminate every time Thanos kills someone. And it gets to the point where the screen is just this blinding white light that burns Mentor's eyes from his skull. Oh. Wow. It's crazy. Cool. It's dark. That, that's dark. Um, <laughs> that is dark. Yeah. Marvelous, Marvelous Johnny says that he feels like the Marvel Cinematic Universe will just do away with Thanos being a deviant. Yeah. I don't think yeah. Thanos oh, is sure. a deviant oh, okay. in the MCU. Okay. I think so he's just okay. going to be an eternal. Yeah. Because uh, they don't want to probably get many, that loophole. Yeah, 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 makes sense. Yeah, because because like you were I saying, mean, Dimitri, when you like think about it too long, there's weird like genetic superiority implications there that I don't think people really right. thought too much about when they originally created the comic. Right. Which is why I think they were like the deviants were created as an experiment. The uh, uh, Eternals were created as an experiment. They're two distinct things, and they're also <laughs> not from Earth. They're from another planet. <laughs> Which simplifies the yeah. concept, especially for the yeah. uninitiated. Yeah, absolutely. For sure, for sure. Right. Because uh, that is wild. That, said, that is I mean, insane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. This movie already did so much with exposition and lore dump. Now, something that I wanted to bring up with the with the lore dump is that normally in a science fiction movie, and this is my problem with Dune, normally there's an audience's eyes into the the status quo yeah when you jump into something big luke skywalker is our eyes into what this galaxy far far away is all about yeah, he's our self-insert yeah he's our self-insert yeah right and so we need to be able to see through the eyes of that on the hero's journey or whatever so in dune we don't get it for um the atreides but we do get him being the new eyes into <sighs> the um the whatevers, Arrakis. the 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 people, the uh, yeah, Arrakis, yeah, the Fremen, and so we get that. That being said, in Eternals, we don't get that. We kind of get it with Dane Whitman, but he doesn't stick around long enough for us to be learning yeah, more about yeah. Eternals. He, he could have been a self-insert, but natural. yeah, yeah, it could have it could have been more natural to learn what the Eternals are all about by having some sort of audience's eyes into what the Eternals yeah. are instead of putting totally, a whole yeah. novel yeah, you're right. in the beginning thing and then like doing exposition that way, you know? Well, no, what's funny like, is the, the original Kirby comics do have audience surrogate characters in it. They're these like okay. anthropologists who uh, uh, Icarus meets and like shows them Eternal society. So yeah, it, Kirby right. did have the 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 thought to put that in there but now that you say it, right. yeah i actually am surprised that dane whitman wasn't a larger presence it, to it would have benefited the movie for sure it would have removed sure. like you said a lot of that exposition if you had a self-insert in there yeah 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 um talking about dane whitman though i also don't like the 
happenstance that like a superhero or future superhero or someone with superhero lineage <laughs> just happens to be in love with a god like it's, it's weird happenstance is it not like how do you explain that like, i don't let me look can i can i respond to that question the question to you dimitri but how often okay. does that happen in regular superhero comics it happens a lot i feel like that kind of yeah and I think we've now progressed to this point in the MCU where, for better or worse, it's going to do that kind of really comic booky nonsense where yeah. the person dating a thousand-year-old space god just happens to have a cursed magic sword in his family <laughs> lineage. Right. <laughs> Excuse me. Coincidences. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I, I'm not a fan of that weird... Like, it, it would have been different, like, if, if there was another reason why... Because, uh, you know, it makes sense why superheroes would be attracted to other superheroes or whatever, but, like, in this case, sure, it's like... Sure. What are the chances I, of uh, yeah, a yeah. Cersei meeting yeah. Black Knight? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's yeah. a valid point. That's a valid uh, point. Uh, let's talk about these characters uh, mm -hmm. while we have time. Um... Uh, who was your guys' favorite character? Uh, Gilgamesh Ooh. for me was my favorite. I have one more of that character. Yeah, I mean, that they're Gilgamesh internal, is awesome. He's amazing to me. And uh, I think, Yeah, I, I really love Gilgamesh. I really loved Fastos in particular. Um, and I thought that, you know, talk, talk about emotional core of the movie, I think the part that really hit me the most was, was his farewell to his family. And yeah. Have, the end of the world song playing over it and that that goodbye kiss with his husband i was like yeah it was that emotional. was that was really like beautifully done and i i loved i also just really like brian tyree henry as an actor in general um i think the way he played the character was really great the the comedic beats the more serious beats were all awesome and i think the way they visualize his powers is like just inventing cool gadgets on the fly to use in combat is really, really cool. And it yeah. just wasn't enough. Like, I don't think he yeah, had enough yeah. screen time. Yeah. It was like, this And Makari yeah. as well, like similarly, oh. like so like charismatic and fun in the brief appearances and you just want more of them. Wanted more yeah. of all of them basically, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Uh, I did not want more of all of them. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, no, I take that my, back too. My, <laughs> my, my, my most interesting characters, uh, Druig is not on the list. Mm -hmm. uh, Druig is fine. I didn't feel like they explored much about him. I think he's cool as a red herring. You think he's going to be some big problem? He was very comparative to like Maximus the Mad from Inhumans, where it's yes. like, oh, yes. of course he's just going to go crazy and mind control people, but he doesn't, <laughs> which I thought that's cool. That's cool. But he was, was not a nice my surprise. Most yeah. Yeah. Makari, Gilgamesh, Fina. Yeah. Fastos, Kingo. Those are the five Eternals I cared about. I could get rid of everybody else. I cared nothing, <laughs> like, nothing about anyone else. Uh, I did not care about Cersei, Icarus. I did not care. Oh, my least favorite is Sprite. Like, get Sprite out of there. I do not care about Sprite whatsoever. Uh, Sprite, Icarus, <laughs> Cersei, Ajax doesn't do much, and I'm sorry, I love Selma Hayek, but she doesn't, like, yeah. whatever, she dies in the beginning, fine, whatever, and then, um, who, who am I missing? Druig, I don't care about Druig. Uh, the, about Sprite, I have to say something, I found it incredibly creepy, and I don't like this trope, I'm not a fan of this trope, 
young child, uh, my young body of a child of a body with an adult mind in love with another adult. Yeah. Why did that need to exist in this movie? It was completely unnecessary. That's number one. Number two, that time that they spent on that creepy trope that I hate could have been used on Fastos <laughs> and his family. Where did, where was the conversation be, between Fastos and his husband? Dude, I'm eternal. You will die one day. I will watch my son die. I will watch <laughs> you yeah, die. Yeah. yeah, I would have, I would prefer that conversation and whatever that I held the Peter, sorry for cursing, the Peter Pan in love, young child, yeah. child body with an adult mind. I don't like that trope. To me, it's always creepy and felt unnecessary and out of place. Right. Yeah, I, yeah, I, easy. And <laughs> she needed, uh, real quick, she needed to exist, I think, in the confines of the story because Eternals has Sprite. But Marvelous Johnny's right. Like, Marvelous Johnny says, I love Sprite's story, but it really did not need the idea of her liking Icarus. We did not need the love. No. We could have had Sprite, Sprite, explicitly say she looks up to Icarus like an older brother. She That's will it. follow him to the ends of the earth. Yes. That It didn't right. need a romantic or, but I, I even think, yeah, I even think the idea of her being like, I'm trapped in this body forever, and because of that, I'm limited in circumstances that I can actually exist in. Right. Like the vampire thing. Right? Like, I think that's even compelling. Like, you don't have to go the romantic route with it. <laughs> I will say this, though. That is worse than the comics. Uh, because Oh, God. <laughs> I people love the Neil Gaiman Eternals run. I think it's kind of boring. I think it kind of mm. sucks, if I'm being brutally honest. And in the comics, Sprite is pr- traditionally male, so oh, okay. they, they gender swap Sprite for this film. Um, and I think there's also like, and I'm not the a lot of a lot of them are gender swapped, right? Yes, Ajax is yeah. gender swapped. Actually, yeah. no, I think it's just Sprite and Ajax and and Makari. So three. Yeah. Makari. A good amount. Makari is a male. Yes. Right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, but. I also think there was maybe an interesting kind of like gender dysmorphia metaphor they could have explored where it's like you're literally trapped in a body that you feel like does not fit who you are on the inside. Um, and I, I don't know if that was deliberately like why they had Sprite dressed in this kind of androgynous way, but I do agree with you that the um, the romance subplot is unnecessary. In the comics, it's grosser because Sprite is a boy in the comics and he kind of does the Icarus thing by himself in this movie where he's killing off the Eternals because he wants to grow up. And he's basically like, I just want to like have intercourse. Like I want to, I'm like, ew, this is gross. Neil Gaiman. Why did you do it this way? It's like way, way crasher and grosser in that comic. And when they were presenting it as like, Oh, she's got like emotional feelings for him that are unrequired. I'm like, still not great. Still less gross than what they did in that particular story. So So the bar was already low as it is. Bar was low. Yes. Factor. Okay. Yes. I I found it. I agree with you. Yeah. (laughs) I agree. And again, that's something that could have been compelling, but that element didn't have to be the way to go about it. And it was distracting there for a minute. I was so distracted. I hate that trope, so I'm always jarred by it, and I'm like, they couldn't have used that time maybe to have Gilgamesh and Athena kiss? Yeah, yeah. Bastos and his husband have a conversation about immortality? Like, why are we wasting time on a perpetual child with adult emotions, (laughs) romantic emotions for her brother? Even... Yeah. Uh, even Druig and Makari having a little bit more time with them being, because they're yes. roughly the two youngest people on the team other than Sprite. And mm. although I didn't like Druig, and I love Makari, and I love Lauren Ridloff, oh. and I'm jealous, um, <laughs> Druig and... <laughs> Druig and Makari together were kind of cute. 
and they I were get very that. cute. And they had, they had very, very good chemistry. They had very good chemistry. Yeah, the chemistry was on point. So, like, explore yeah. that then. Explore that then. You know, uh, so many. Yeah, I would have. I would have liked to have seen Makari call him out on the fact that he was using mind control on people. Like, I, I think uh, what is her name's Lauren Ridley, right? The actress who plays Makari. Lord Ridloff. She, Ridloff, yeah, yeah. Ridloff, thank you. She's so charismatic. Like, her smile is just, like, electric. I think she was so great. And I would have liked to have seen more of her character get the same level of, like, moral exploration that I think a lot of the characters got. Yeah. Um, but another thing that I was like, this felt half-baked. I liked the idea of Kingo being like, I believe Icarus is right, but I also care about you guys enough that I'm not going to fight you. So I'm removing myself yeah. from this conflict. I like that right. idea on paper. I felt like it was missing something at the end to really kind of dramatically bring that point home. I don't yeah. know if he needed to do like the Han Solo at the end of A New Hope where he like swoops in at the last minute to like help. But someone, at the same time, Someone said like that would have been too formulaic. That it, some sure. people say it broke the formula. Sure by having him not come back at the end. But I think one thing that they could have done is have him watch the news feeling sure. separated from his family. You it know, was missing while that happening. factor right there. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah. Something to I, like yeah. bring that home. Connect him to the final end of battle of the of the movie. And I'll, I'll say one thing. You almost respect him for sticking up to his own conviction at that point. Like, totally, I'm not fighting yeah. you and he's out. But again, connect him somehow at the end, through a TV, watch through TV news or something like that. Right. So him missing yeah. completely was, again, another jarring thing that I think they could have done a little bit better. Right. Yeah. I get why you left um, and why he didn't return, but you still have to kind of connect it together. Yeah. Because yeah. he appears at the end, and he's just like, okay, you know, I mean, like... You are cool, right? <laughs> Like, but, but I like, like the idea that classic. he's going to become like Sprite's caretaker as kind of penance, but I think it needed a dramatic beat to really drive home. Yeah, like, correct. I should have helped or something. I don't know, something. Sprite's punishment is know, high like, school. How fitting. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. it is. I, I, I just, I think it's classic centrist argument where it's like, either side has good points, so I'm just not going to do anything. And it's like, dude, like... Yeah, you might have a point. <laughs> what? Yeah. I would have like, liked to see him regret that. He doesn't want to kill the Celestial. Yeah. yeah, he has to. They have to do it for a sequel. Uh, like, they have to explore some of these topics. Drew, yeah. Inc. and Makari, they gotta explore. What are things that you guys want them to explore in a in a sequel? And also, question, will they get a sequel? It's doing well, very well at the box office, from what I've seen. Is it? So, um, yeah, you got $170 million worldwide. Okay. Opening weekend. From last well, number I saw. Okay. So, I, I, I am hoping. And didn't that, the, I don't know what movie theater... They're all the same. Mine had Eternals will return at the end Ooh, of this. Somewhere. Because kind of could... we were there yeah. and literally till the lights came on and everything, the yeah. screen was off. Says, yeah. Eternals will return. That's what I got on my screen. So I, I was, think I was too busy explaining yeah. to everyone who was talking to Dane Whitman at the end of the second post-credits scene that I was with. Yeah. I was like, what did that mean? Because I was like, oh, is that who I think it is? Yeah. <laughs> I think I missed uh, the Eternals uh, will return. I, I didn't know who it was up until I had to look it up on, on who was there at the end. Uh, Dane Whitman is about to touch the Ebony Blade and the Ebony Blade and then 
Uh-huh. In a weird way, the the in a weird way, the ebony blade shows up. I'm not touching that one. That one's all you. Uh, that's that's me. That's me. And, that's me and my joke. But the point being is, uh, but we don't know. We don't know until you like like Chloe Zhao says that it was Blade. It was yes. Mahershala Ali's voice, and so. Uh, Oh god, that movie's gonna cool. be awesome! I'm I'm oh, obsessed with him. I love that character. Can oh. I can I read the quote from an interview where she confirmed it was Blade? Because I love so she did confirm it was Blade. Blade. Yes. Uh, so uh, the quote says, "This is a direct quote from Chloe Zhao. That was the voice of one of my favorite superheroes, Mr. Blade himself. Blade, Blade, Blade. Yeah. I was like, that's Perfect. how I also talk about Blade. Blade, Blade, Blade. Yeah." First, um, first superhero. Like first Marvel I ever saw in my life. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, where it seems like they're not okay. They could with Blade. We we assumed they were gearing up for like a Midnight Suns type horror action franchise. Uh, but because uh, supposedly rumor has it he might appear in Moon Knight in the Moon Knight show. Yeah. Um, but it seems also from this, it might be also a mix of M13, which is England's mm. superhero. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. <sighs> Black they do, Knight like, the Captain Britain of the M13. Yeah. yeah. Right. But it huh. could be a mix of the two. It could be Midnight right. Suns meets Blade 13, or Blade thir- M13, <laughs> you know? Totally. Uh, so uh, we, we'll see what happens there. Of course... We got. It's easy to get excited for uh, for that, but as far as like Eternals and the cosmic like future that they I have, implications. Where, do you, where do you see? Yeah, uh, JJ, where do you see? Where do you see this going with these? Or um, where where do you see it going? Where do you hope it's going? Because I think those are two different questions. I'm a little scared, honestly, because they've opened up some serious Pandora's boxes with this. The implication that the humanity is nothing but a test tube, that we are nothing but a bunch of rats for gods to grow. That's a tough one to swallow. (laughs) (laughs) That the entire technological advancement of us has been through eternal's manipulation. So I'm thinking Galactus, I'm thinking X-Men. I I think it's going to try to tie into that in in the future. But that's the purpose of the Eternals, Uh to connect that to the world. Yeah, I I think my, if anything, I think my major critique of the film was kind of feeling like when they did that ending where Arishem the Judge grabs the three Celestials or three Eternals, I keep saying Celestials, the three Eternals who kind of rebelled and takes Mm -hmm. them away, I was kind of like, I don't know if I like this being the point that they end on. Uh, Just because it feels like too much of, going back to what we said before, formulaic Marvel, you don't really get an ending. You get like a cliffhanger for the next thing. And I, I think I would have liked this movie more if it had a more definitive ending and just said like, these characters are here. They're a backup. They're on the board. Maybe they'll show up in a future thing. Right. Uh, without, uh, without introducing I'm, a punishment phase, right? Two seconds. Of right. Movie. Oh, right. they're going to be or punished even, movie over. Yeah. Yeah. It was a very weird way to, to bring that up and end it. Um, I'm, but I'm it's funny disagree because, though. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I'm gonna disagree. I think that by if they had a, a finite ending to the movie, it would show that Marvel does not have faith in a sequel or in this as an ongoing franchise, and that would have been sure. a problem um, yeah. because it would be Externals are expendable, and that they don't have to come back. 
why so they're setting up plot points because they're like we believe in characters and their stories going forward so get them basically in trouble at the end so that we can kind of oh give me the next movie see what happens yeah i can agree with that i think i think i just didn't like the way it was executed where he like plucks them out and like takes them away I wouldn't have minded if it yeah. had been like Arishem with the other Celestials because there's like a council of Celestials and him being like, we will observe and return to Earth for judgment because that's what Kirby's whole idea of the Celestials are. They come back every few generations to judge humanity's progress and decide if they will continue on or be destroyed. Um, Yikes. So it, I, I just, yeah, there was just something about them getting like plucked off plucked. of Earth that felt too to be continued to me. And yeah. I, I don't know. I, that's a very nitpicky thing. Um, but yeah, I, Dimitri, I do agree with you about the like the way that could be perceived as not having faith in the the characters and the ideas. They could have that, almost yeah. used Cersei to appear in front of uh, right, right, like her having uh, a vision or something, vision or yeah. something, and then instead of them being literally physically plucked out of the earth. Right, right. Yeah. I get. I that. think they're taken off Earth. I think they're taken off Earth so that they don't interfere with Marvel plots from this four point oh forward. <laughs> ah, okay. That's fair. That's a fair That's point. actually yeah. a good point. Yeah, you might be right. Yeah. They're yeah. all taken off the board except for Sprite, who is human. Oh, who's right. Human? Yeah. 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 She, uh, she didn't do anything. Does that mean we're not going to see her anymore? <laughs> I, I hope. I hope. <laughs> I just can't. Annoying teenager trope is just not my thing. I can't do it. I don't do pregnancy and annoying teenagers in my fiction. I just don't. I can't. Yeah, Yeah. fair. Um, Is is Icarus dead? I mean, he seems pretty dead. Yeah. I think so. I think he I I don't think I need him to come. I mean, I don't think I need him him to come back, though. I feel like his his story... Completed his arc, I think. And it would have been kind of, it would have been a little cheapened if he next movie, um, yeah, I just kind of skirted the heat a little bit. I'm cool though. Look, I'm all <laughs> redeemed. Right. Well, and and in you the know. comics, Eternals, the the um, whole idea of the Eternals is there's this like machine that anytime they die, they literally will be resurrected. That um, too. But it, I don't know if that's kind of like what the machine is that Arishem shows Cersei, where there's like being mass produced Eternals, essentially, uh, if you could kind of finagle that. But I, I don't think he needs to come back. I no, think, like arc was completed. Yeah. yeah. And but Selma Hayek did have an interview with somebody saying that she signed a multi-deal Marvel movie. Mm, interesting. So. But they, they did that with they've done, yes. they did that with Quicksilver, like uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson signed a multiple picture deal back in the day. It's just the option for huh. them to use him if they if they if need be. You know? That oh that was the one that I was salty about for still <laughs> it has not worn off. I I, I personally do not care. I don't care <laughs> about his death now that Makari is here. Because there are three characters yeah, I want to see on the Avengers. I want to see Cersei on the Avengers because she's kind of the Zatanna of the Justice League in a way. Oh, and she, yeah, that's her. She era, is a, in a, way. a canonical. Uh, <laughs> she is a canonical member of the right. Avengers too. The oh movie. yeah, that's true. Right. I would have liked to see Gilgamesh just because I wanted more Gilgamesh, and Gilgamesh yeah, that, is yeah. also on the Avengers for a very small amount of time. But I also would love Makari to be the speedster for the Avengers. Quicksilver's gone. Cool. Have Makari. 
Just have Makari. She's way better. And the way they did super speed in this movie, so much better. Just so much that, better. Yeah. That entire sequence with Icarus and uh, and and Makari, oh, perfect. I was so cool. Yeah, it was the coolest thing I've seen in a movie in a long time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Probably um, one of my favorite scenes in that movie. Yeah. Um, what are we thinking about Star Fox, Eros, Harry Styles? Well, there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> um, I'm the nerd, though, because I love the Adam Warlock comics that I, I was spoiled about Harry Styles showing up, but when Pimp the Troll showed up, I was like, oh, uh, we're bringing in Pimp the Troll? Let's go. Voiced by Patton Oswalt? Here we is go. It is it is Patton yeah, Oswalt. Patton Oswalt oh was Pimp yes. the Troll. Um, but yeah, he's a weird character to bring in without Thanos, I think. Um, simply because yeah, those right. two are obviously so intertwined with one another. Their main um, conflict is each other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, and right down to their namesakes, right? <laughs> like it's literally a, a yin and yang kind of thing. Um, yeah, so it's, it's yeah. strange to me that they're bringing him in now unless they want to use these the threat of the Celestials to be like, a bigger cosmic plot line down the line. Like, that's really that, right. That has to be it. That has to be yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. They're paving the uh, way to I hate larger, the Celestials. Yeah. <laughs> what? I hate them. They're so I just, cool. <laughs> I hate Kill, kill them <laughs> all. Like, like, I, I'm so pissed at this idea that these gods, like, I get, I mean, I get pissed at this in real life. That these gods <laughs> are meddling like this. Like, I, I, I don't like the idea. Like, kill the Celestials and let mankind have control over their own destiny. Because, uh... You're not into farming planets? <laughs> yeah, I'm not a... Yeah. It's like... But they big. They, they per... They're, they're purpose... They, Galactus could eat any planet. But Celestials mm-hmm. purposely need to kill billions of intelligent life to be born. That's fucked. Like That's Galactus it. is a hero when compared <laughs> when compared to Celestials. Never you know? thought I would hear that word that sentence together. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Do you think do you think because I mean obviously I made the parallel earlier, but do you think they'll have a sort of like Galactus celestial kind of like I don't know, conflict? That would be fucking cool. Uh, um, they just make like Galactus a rogue celestial like they might yeah, tie yeah. In his background with the celestials i think yeah, the whole point right? of intro of celestials is to get get to galactus because you're not gonna just get him you need intro yeah. to him and speaking of weird coincidences it would be weird to be like here's another giant man who destroys planets That's not it. affiliated with yeah. the other giant people who destroy planets right right it's almost like a pre homework uh, type of thing yeah 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 uh, also, I think Star Fox could be a big bad. Could be, yeah. What do you guys That think? could be the direction they end up going with him. Are they really going to have two Titan brothers, bad guys? Yeah, I mean, why, kind why of, not? It could subvert the expectation, yeah. It could be a subversion, sure. It also doesn't help that I think his, unless they're going to change what his abilities are in the movie, his powers have some kind of like weird baggage to them that... Yeah. I, I don't know if the Marvel Universe is ready to really, like, delve into. Uh, so, yeah. For anybody who's watching and doesn't know, his powers are essentially like, uh, how can I put this? He has spicy powers. He can affect people's emotions, in particular their oh. romantic and sexual attraction 
uh, feelings towards others. Yeah. Which is why they got Harry Styles. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> of course, of course. When they announced that casting, I was like, I mean, I guess that makes sense. If you're gonna do it, that's the way to go. <laughs> but I think it's it's the fact that you you remove people's free will right, in yeah, doing yeah, that yeah. that right. feels like kind well, of Kilgrave Purple Man a bit, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, they already mm-hmm. jumped into Druig, like Druig having that power. Right. Um, so right. I'm wondering what the what the point of it would be. Uh, also, uh, a question for Brian, because I never read the Avengers run where Star Fox is an Avenger. How can you use him in combat? Right, yeah. It's kind of like the Mantis thing, where he's kind of, well, he's also like a skilled hand-to-hand combatant in general, and he can fly. Okay. So he's got that going for him. Um, but it's kind of like the Mantis thing a little bit, where it's like you have an enemy and you kind of use the powers to like distract them or like calm them and okay. know, take them off the board uh, in a combat situation. Makes sense, yeah. Was it interesting in the comics? Because it sounds boring. <laughs> It's, it, yeah, he's not a great character. <laughs> like, Thanos is the way more interesting character of the two of them. Um, I mean, I'm sure he's got his fans. Every character has their fans out there. But I, it, it wasn't anything like, there's no story that I could point to that would be like, this is the standout Star Fox story to lead. Um, because yeah. I think that any good story with him in it is like really a Thanos story or a Captain Marvel mm. story, like yeah, a Marvel right. story or something like that, you know? Um, I saw an interesting question a question being brought up, speaking of Thanos. So if he snapped his finger, right, killed half a billion, I mean, half of the universe, wouldn't the Celestial get involved because he's essentially taking out his farm out, slowing down another Celestial? Taking out their food supply? Yeah. Basically. So I, I didn't get an answer to that. It was an interesting question. I was like, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of addressed in the original Infinity Gauntlet comic when he does the snap. Mm-hmm. All of these, like, massive cosmic entities descend on him. Like, you have, like, Chaos and Order, you have the Living Tribunal, you have Galactus show up, and they're like, yo, dude, you just messed up the entire universe. But because he has the gauntlet, he's an unstoppable god. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it is some, it's one of those things where, like, the problem with the escalation in the MCU is you immediately start asking these questions where you're like, well, if this is now the big power structure, how does that retroactively fit into everything else? Uh, Because I think that's a very valid question. It's just so hard. So Celestials Celestials lifespans are so large. I'm pretty sure Thanos just kind of wiggled his way in a split second. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) to do that. Like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's like didn't even matter to them no. that, that happened yeah. in the grand uh, scheme of things. Yeah, almost like a glitch in their schedule. Like, oh, well. right, right. And they're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they'll repopulate. I <laughs> yeah, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. But I thought uh, it was an, I, I thought it was a good point. I'm like, they kind of put a dent in that timing or timeline they have for a new celestial to be born. Totally. Yeah, yeah. So by reducing the population, right. they're trying to grow. On the flip side of that, though, in terms of, like, things that retroactively kind of, like, fit nicely, it makes the idea that Ego calls himself a celestial kind of work in an interesting way, where maybe he was a celestial that, instead of bursting out of the planet, absorbed his body into the planet itself, which is why he's Ego the living planet, and his, like, can manifest on the planet to, like, his face and everything. So I thought that was, like, a cool way to be like, oh, okay, like, that's that kind of retroactively fits that idea because Ego is not a celestial in the comics. Right. He's just a planet that's alive. (laughs) 
You know how he, he said lowercase g god? Maybe he's a yes. lowercase c celestial. In a <laughs> there way. you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. your point. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, I, what, do we have any more critiques of this? Uh, we, we talked about the pacing being off, right? Um, uh, with the flashbacks, I didn't, there was one flashback that I didn't like, and that's when they're on the way to Ajax, and there's the flashback. There's a big, long flashback. Um, and it Uh takes you almost out of it. I think it's the flashback with, uh, Tenochtitlan. Oh, I think okay. it's the okay. to, to Nochitlan, uh flashback that the, that happens on the way, and then she, like Cersei's driving to Ajax in South Dakota, right? Um, yes. I, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah. I think the flashbacks were the flashbacks were jarring, right? They t- they take you out of the immersion of for a moment. You know what I mean? You get you're watching, and all of yeah. a sudden you're taken back again, out of thousand years, and you're trying to catch up with your emotions to what's going on. So yeah, the pacing was off in yeah. the movie, especially going back and forth that much. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I yeah. didn't mind them as much, but I also think I went in with the expectation because I had read people saying that the flashbacks were jarring. So I maybe mm-hmm. had like built mm-hmm. it up as being worse in my mind and then watching mm-hmm. it, I was like, oh, this isn't that bad. But I can understand that criticism. I actually, <laughs> and this is maybe like my own damn fault for watching trailers, but like <laughs> considering Marvel's history of like deliberately manipulating trailers the trailers kind of give away the Icarus twist because kind of the centerpiece of a lot of those... By that one scene. Yeah, because the centerpiece of a lot of those trailers is Ajax telling Icarus the convergence is about to happen. And then the first time you see Ajax, she's already dead. So I was immediately like, wait a second, do they not have that conversation? Is that a flashback? And I was like, oh shit, he killed him. (laughs) I mean, I just was like, oh, I that's probably what's about to happen. Uh, I just thought it was a deleted scene. Like, yeah, I, because yeah. yeah. they did that in the trailers. They purposely mislead you sometimes in those trailers. Sure, yeah. And so yeah. I just thought, I was like, eh, they just did that. But then it made sense. Uh, Johnny in the comments says it was the flashback with Icarus killing Ajax that he got tired of them at that point. I mm, liked sure, that sure. flashback. That flashback made sense in that reveal because that's linking acts two and three and then sure. pushing our twist in right mm-hmm. like yeah. yeah uh but before that the big flash like the big flashback scenes there was the original mesopotamia scene there was a yeah. babylon scene and then there's a tenochtitlan scene yep at least three right right so yeah there's 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 three but and not then, to mention you have the you know, whole Ersh and the Judge history lesson of the Celestial. That too. That. But the third kind of one... I, right. flashback in a way too. The third one I think was to yeah. establish that the humanity is almost evolving to be more violent with their advancement in weaponry totally, and all yeah. that. So yeah. right. it could have been shorter right. maybe. Well, yeah. to ex- explains Thena's uh, uh, disorder yeah, and then right. it explains Druig, Druig leaves, right? That, yeah, that's, that's where they Ajax, all leave, don't they? Aj- yeah, Ajax fans everybody. Yeah, 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 that was it, right, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah, trying to pick up on the details. I, and I just watched it last night, it should be fresh. <laughs> it's a dense yeah. movie, though. It's, it's, it's it is, it really is. I had to yeah. think a lot about, um, yeah. but overall. I was not bored, though. Uh, 
Every, some people are saying it no. was boring. I was yeah, not I bored. I did not fall asleep. I fell asleep during Dune, but I did not fall asleep during this. <laughs> you did fall asleep during Dune? Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. He's high on the spice. Are you high on the spice? <laughs> I, no, I was not. Uh, yeah. I know this isn't a Dune discussion, but why, why did you fall asleep? What didn't you like? Oh, in Dune? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I was just, I was just tired. I was just tired. So I, I saw a late night thing, but also like there, <laughs> Dune has the same beat throughout the movie, and it's this drum, and it just lulls me to sleep. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> you know, I can, I can see that. <laughs> so don't watch it tired and don't watch it late. That's your advice yeah. for Dune. I watched, oh, I, I watched watch it a second this. time. Mm-hmm. I watched it a second time, so I caught up on the stuff that i missed okay. and then we had a do a dune episode of the keeg mm-hmm. so i, di- I didn't want to have not watched everything so i did right right of it course. was fun i'll say this uh, I, I think that whether it's dune or whether it's this movie i would love for more big blockbusters to just be like weird like these two movies that to be unapologetically yeah. like embracing of of weird big ideas and not they don't all have to be yeah. exactly like that but i think if they were more willing to push boundaries and kind of whether it's with the representation in the cast or just the storytelling, the visual aspects of it, whatever it might be, uh, I think we'd be in a right. world. <laughs> they, uh, I mean, but they did not. If, yeah, I was just gonna sorry, say they, they, they didn't. They didn't like. Uh, they weren't afraid to be weird about it. You know what I mean? Like Chloe yeah. Zhao really had a vision and she executed it to how she wanted this movie to look like. And it's very strange. It's very anti-Marvel formula currently. Um, and, I, and I give her credit for that. I want more movies like this. It's just edited down. Just edited <laughs> down. That's it. We don't need 10 characters necessarily. That's, right. Or if you're going to do that, it has to be two movies. It's ha- it has to be a series. Yeah. I just, I want more of these characters. Like, I want not her. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't care. <laughs> Knowing teenager trope. But uh, yeah, this is a very um, um, ambitious film. A very ambitious film. Yeah. I think they could have gotten rid of two characters as far say, as the plot. If you say Druig, I'm hanging out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Druig. Druig. Druig is one and Sprite is the other. You could have introduced them in a second movie, but you could have mm-hmm. taken them out and have it be a more cohesive film. I, I, I can see that. I just really enjoyed uh, Makari and Droig, like their dynamic. I thought it made yeah. them feel more human. You know what I mean? Made them feel more like yeah, well-rounded characters. So, I think you could have had that same that same flirtation between Kingo and Makari. Yeah, there you go. I can see that. You know, I can see that. Yeah, absolutely. Also, Kingo was left with no. Kingo was left with no love interest, which is fine. Except no, that not. is a conflict. <laughs> He's a Bollywood I don't star. think it's fine, fine. Right. You know what right. I mean? Like, there should have been girls all over him, like, at any point <laughs> in that movie. You know what I mean? Right. A lot of fans around him. I Plus, Kumail got all hot. He needed a love interest. <laughs> yeah, I do. I, I think so, too. I, it's also a... um. It's a constant thing in cinema where Asian men do not get love interests. I and brought so that up. Kingo, I brought that up. Yeah, Kingo, uh, Karun, obviously, he's just like an older man, whatever. But like Kingo being a main character and Gilgamesh 
not getting a kiss even. Like, it's tough. That's like, yeah. I brought that up. I'm like, as good as diverse it is, it fell into two two very old and very tired tropes. You know what I mean? It also feels a bit egregious when not even Shang-Chi has a love interest in his film. That's That's all. Good point. That's an excellent point. And I say that as someone who really loved the film Shang-Chi, but like, it is kind of like, hmm, I don't know. (laughs) Now, granted, you do have like a very compelling love story with the parents, but that's still like, but parents it, don't it feels count. Weird. And I know it sounds yeah. funny. I know but. it sounds funny, but parents, <laughs> so I agree with you. Parents, parents don't count because by virtue of them being parents, there has to have been love and sex involved, right? Yeah, like sure, that's just sure, natural. Yeah. The implication so, is so that's there. why like yeah. and, the implication. And when every is other there. Marvel male character has a love interest of some kind it feels yes. glaring. They do. They right. all do. Think about it. They really all do. At some point, yeah. they have a... Yeah. They all do. I get I get the idea that not all characters need love interests. Not all female characters need a man. I mm-hmm. get that. Same. That being said, we make those... We break those, those tropes only in regard to, as far as I can see, Asian male characters or yep. at sometimes uh, interracial relationships with white female characters and yep. and uh, men of color. For example, the movie Tomb Raider um, with, with, with what's her name? Um, uh, Angelina not Jolie? Angelina Jolie, but... Uh, oh, no, Alicia, Alicia Vikander. Alicia Vikander, yeah, yeah. I was like, the uh, woman we've just been talking about? <laughs> the Tomb Raider movie, the Tomb Raider movie in the trailer had a um, an Asian male lead. Uh, I forget his name, but he was in... Um, into the business, into TV the Badlands show. guy? Into the yeah, Badlands. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 I no, when I like, saw the trailer, when I saw the trailer, I said to myself and I said to others, I those two get together. And I was met with the reaction of, she doesn't need a man, essentially. She doesn't need a man. But why are we making this be the, It's it's weird that we're choosing that those specific situations in which it's like, would she rather be without a man and not need a man or be with uh, a, a man of color? Do we make that choice? Like, ah, I'd rather her be without a man. This is a good time to set that up. <laughs> good for her. And this, this is what I'm, and this is what annoys me as a, as a female, as a, a female fan of these movies, they want to make it, um, make it sound like, Oh, Take away all femininity, romance, love. Is if I if if Wonder Woman can't kick ass and be with a boyfriend, like yes, she can. Can we stop doing that? Right. I don't need a man to be strong. What are you talking about? That is enough. With that's an old trope that needs to end. Same with Asian males always being asexualized yeah. all the time in almost every movie. Like I can well, name I on, on one hand where uh, uh, an Asian male gets gets a kiss at the end of the movie. Two yeah. of my favorite movies: Romeo Must Die and Replacement Killers. Both feature Asian men. Both have chemistry with their white female leads. They do not get a kiss. Actually, no. I'm sorry. I take it back. Romeo must die at Aaliyah. Yeah. All had chemistry. But even all had still, romantic yeah. They don't get a kiss. Same with Gilgamesh and Tina. Why didn't I get a kiss? Which is a shame too, because like we're not asking for a lot, and I think no. Tina as a character would not have been reduced in any way if it had been expressed that Gilgamesh and her had. A romantic relationship. It wouldn't have done anything about their strength. They still would have been who they were, but it would have added an extra element to their dynamic. Yeah, and I think this film also does a really good job of avoiding that trope you described, because while I do appreciate the the 
positive female representation that is present in the MCU, they do fall into that trope of like the just tough chick and that's her whole personality, which is why I like Black Panther so much. I think there's a range of personalities in the female characters. And you also get that in this film too. Makari, Ajax, Sprite, Athena, and Cersei are all very distinct characters. Very, right. Um, And I thought they did a really good job of doing that without making a big show of it. It was very subtle. It was well done, well executed. Um, and they're able to yeah. fall in love and have crushes yes, and, yes. and do all and still do and still save the world from gods punching their way through the you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. All that's totally. possible. And I'm done with those tropes. I really am. I'm done with it. I'm gonna call it out every time I yeah. see it because it's so it's so visible. It's in it's in your face. It's so jarring to me. Yes. It also brings up a bigger point. Why why do we accept Cersei and Icarus as essentially just the normal couple, right? <laughs> like we accept Cersei and Icarus as like the couple, and that has to do with a lot of race and sociology questions. But uh, we don't need to spend all that time on that. But that is in, in trailers the too. couple that we just in the trailer, so that we just accept. It. Yeah, yeah. Trailers kind of sold like, them as the as, as the multi uh, millennia romance across space and time. So you're yeah, kind of going into right. that movie with that implication, and then all of a sudden you look at Makari and Druid. I'm like, oh, that's cute. You look at uh, Gilgamesh and Athena. Oh, that's even cuter. Like, hmm, okay, all right. And you forget about yeah. the other two. There was supposed to be it couple. <laughs> right. I mean, what could one could say that the sex scene. Like, if there was going to... Well, first thing, I didn't think the sex scene was necessary. But also, if there was going to be... It was... Yeah, if if there was going to be a sex scene, it should have been Gilgamesh and Thena. I'm sorry. 100%. (laughs) They could have zoomed it in, like, through, like, a window of their hut or the house, wherever they were living. Like, they were kind of laying in there, and it would have been felt more natural because they've been living together for centuries. Just, it's just... That's it. Yeah. It doesn't even have to imply anything. Like... Yeah, the scene on the beach between uh, yeah, it was awkward. It yeah. was awkward. We didn't we don't we don't need to see thrust. We no. don't need to see thrust, but Gilgamesh and Fina just laying in bed next to each other would have been nice. And uh, some people are denying the romantic that like even me saying they should have had a kiss. Some people are denying that, but I'm I'm taking it a step further. They should have uh, implied sex. Oh, I'm on the, I am on that <laughs> ship and I'm going down with it. Like having screaming yeah. at home. Like to me, I think the film should have been rated NC seventeen. And no, yes, <laughs> uh, no, but I I do agree with all those points completely. And it's this messed up thing where like because we've had such poor female representation not only in superhero movies but in like action sci-fi films in general but right. now like we've kind of like right. swung the pendulum back in this other direction where it's like men and women can only be platonic friends and it's like in some it. scenarios yes that's great to portray that that's important to portray that but on the flip side sometimes you just want to see some people smooch especially that's it. if it like uh, makes sense it. within the story they, they, we are not being told that they can only be platonic friends with white male leads, though. That yes, is yes, a given, and we accept that. We I, we are told that they can only be, be platonic friends with men of color, uh, so and true. even women. So true. Like, why can't we have a woman loving a woman loving woman scenario? Oh no, they're just best friends, right? Like, it's the same yeah, there yeah. too. I mean, it's this, the only person deserving of their love and the extra effort that it comes to writing it into the script is white male protagonists. And it's evident. Yeah. It is absolutely evident in what, 10, 15 years of MCU that we've seen. 
Absolutely. And this was a good opportunity to swing that pendulum somewhere in the middle where you can have intimacy and romance with characters of color and it would have been organic. It would have made sense. And it made sense for the yeah. characters too. And they just, I think they missed the mark on that one, unfortunately. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, definitely. Which is too bad. Um, I'm also not trying to yeah. think if Shang-Chi even has any prominent love interest in the comics. He has the one woman who's like the MI-13 agent, but like even in the comics, yeah. they haven't done I a mean, job it's tough. It's tough for Shang-Chi though. His, his history in the comics is rough. And yeah. like even, yeah. Yeah. like I was reading an article how the name of his sister there's like 15 different names because they always change the name. Like there is no, <laughs> yeah, yeah. not much continuity with Shang-Chi in the comics. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if there's you know, sequels so, in the future, there could be some course correction on some of these things. I, I would so, hope yeah. so. I would, I, I really do. Right. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, there, there were some flaws in this, uh, in this movie, but, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I did like it. I did like it. Now that we've talked about it, are we still sticking with our gen, our, our same uh, oh, yeah, numbers? Yeah. I think going back to the fact that it is, yes, nuanced November, it, it's important for us to look at anything critically. Even if it's something that we really adore and enjoy, it's important to be able to say, like, these are flaws in something, any piece of art, um, right. that need to be better if we want our art to be better. And no piece of art's ever going to be totally perfect, but you can love something and still criticize it. And I still really enjoy and love this movie um, for many different reasons. But yeah, it's important to be able to do both. So if I'm going to stick with my rating until I watch it at least one more time, two more times, I just need to pick up on the nuances. Yeah. Because again, I, this is all very new to me. We're on such an opposite spectrum. Like you're very knowledgeable and I'm going into a very fresh, so... I was just too busy gathering the the like I said the Lord Lord dump the info dump to understand what the heck is going on yeah. to pick up on the small things. So and I um, I will also yeah. say this if you want to if you were someone who felt like you know oh I want to see more of these characters and things like yes. that I really recommend that Kieran Gillen and Eternals run because I think he gets the characters really well he okay. portrays them in ways that I think are consistent with the film and he portrays Cersei. I did enjoy Gemma Chan's performance, but Cersei in the comics is much brassier. She's much more of kind of like this sort of like fun, flirty, kind of like party girl character, which is interesting because she's still like a badass, but has this much more strong feminine side to her or traditionally feminine, I should say, in quotes, uh, according to society. Um, but I, I would have liked <laughs> to have maybe seen that aspect of her a little more. Um, but I think you're, uh, Kieran Gillen writes her phenomenally uh, in that book. So, so... Just to ask you a question, because I, I am reading, these are the comics I'm reading right now. This yes, the, yes, 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 that's the one. What are the blue, who's talking? Who's the, who, who talks here? <laughs> so, so. I've gone the, back seven times trying to figure this out, and I am like, am I so dumb? That's, a little that's bit, probably. the but. machine, that is the machine, the resurrection machine that is in the world that brings the Eternals back to life. Because the whole idea of the story is that it's malfunctioning and it's not resurrecting the Eternals properly. And you're reading its narration, like it's observing these events and it's kind of like, I don't know why I'm not working properly. And I'm trying to see what's happening to these people around me so I can understand what's going on. Oh, I gotta go reread this now because not all the <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> I think, and it has a I think this brings up... <laughs> Comics are weird, man, but I love them. I'm not this stupid, yes. I swear. No, no, you're not. You're not, you're not 
These are complicated comics. No, no. <laughs> that's that's the thing, and that's like my critique of this movie, which is not really a critique. Is that <laughs> if they chose if they chose this movie to to just be different and be its own thing and and accepting that not everybody is going to be sold on this and they don't have to right. uh, I think then then it's a good it's a good movie it's a very dense science fiction epic and and it's not like the other Marvel movies no but that being said like like I can follow it I like it and there are things that I don't follow like I thought Tiamat was the word for the celestial seed but it's the name of the baby celestial being born, essentially. Yeah. By the way, is this the first Marvel movie to have an abortion literally in the plot? <laughs> wow. Hot <laughs> uh, well, Dimitri, you asked me if Chloe Zhao's films were political, and I guess this is a pro-choice movie. I guess we finally uh, this is I okay. finally got the answer to that question. If that's how we're going for a sex I mean, scene, for his gay kiss, abortion. First abortion. <laughs> okay, um, this movie gets a nine out of ten for me. It's so. I, I'm flabbergasted. <laughs> I cannot believe what I've just heard. That's so funny. Oh Not that abortion is funny, but no, but uh, I get no, it. right. I Right. Oh, uh, uh, oh, so, um, <laughs> I think that like it's cool, but at the same time, I cannot bring my parents to go see it. And as Marvel moves more into that realm, I can't take my parents to see it. The mainstream audiences also won't understand it, and mm. I have that fear. I have that fear for Spider-Man Three, for the MCU Spider-Man Three, Far oh, From Home, or yeah. No Way, No Way Home. Is that I won't be able to take my parents to see it. This, you know? this phase four is going to be nuts. the most entry level, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I agree. I'm not going to be able to I take think, my parents to I think a lot of that's going to get, yeah. And I think that's a concern I have about that movie is I think that the fan service, I'm going to call it that. Like, I believe me, no one will be more excited than me to see Tobey Maguire as Spider Man. But at the same time, do I need that? I don't need that. No, that's going to be what the story is. Are you going to be disappointed if you don't get it? Is the question. Honestly, I'll. (laughs) (laughs) There he is. Uh, we'll 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 wait for Brian to come back as we close up this episode. Uh, That is a good question. Will you were you you asking with will he be will oh he be disappointed if Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are not in Spider Man if they don't show up? Yeah, would you be, for example? I I personally don't want the Spider Verse, but we're getting it. I don't want the Spider Verse. I don't I don't want it, but that, we're we're gonna get it. That is a very um small minority opinion. Everybody like wants it like bad, which is why I'm so yeah. scared. I'm so scared that it's not going to be. I think people think they want it. I think people think they want it, but yeah. I don't think it's. I think it's too early to do it. Frankly, you think and it so, is. I think we yeah. also like I. And I think we have the um, a, an incredible Spider-Verse story in the animated films. I'm sorry, you're not going to yeah. do it better than that movie. That you're movie right, you're right. is the best comic book movie, like, I, 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 that hands down. It is, in my opinion. You, but you I also think right, I'm yeah. objectively right. No, I'm kidding. But it, I, I don't think it's going to be what people want it to be or... Yeah, everyone's going to be disappointed. Oh, it's going to be... A, yeah. Oh, it'll be a mess. Especially because people have spent the last, what, like year and a half now writing this movie in their brains 
that whatever insane imaginings that you've conjured in your mind of what this movie's going to be, it's not going to fulfill that. And I'm Welcome worried to about the Doctor last Strange Jedi. for similar reasons. Welcome <laughs> yeah, to the Jedi discourse. Have fun <laughs> on that train wreck ride. Everybody wrote their yeah. own fan fiction post TFA, and all of a sudden the fan fiction didn't come true. The movie's garbage. I'm like, exactly. that's, that's on you. Exactly. That is on you. Exactly. Same with same with right. WandaVision. Exact same thing. I'm sorry. Like, right. everybody had these theories. Like, I was off, I had to get off TikTok for like a week. I, I was exhausted. If I heard Mephisto again, I was going to pull my hair out. None of it Which, took place. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's boring. Like, what are you talking about? I, and you I'm of the opinion. Yeah. And I'm of the opinion that WandaVision, I think, has probably one of the best endings. I agree. The Disney Plus TV show so far. I think the ending of WandaVision is beautiful and it didn't need Mephisto. It didn't need Mephisto's anything. Mephisto's not what I came to see. I came to see the story of these characters. It was um, a story about Wanda's about trauma. That's it. Exactly. Exactly. That was it. That was like, oh, They're like, oh, Fox X-Men characters are going to show up in Doctor Strange. I'm like, why would you want that? Yeah, why? I want Sam I... Raimi to do some weird horror stuff. That's what I want. Why would you I want agree. Fox X-Men characters in this? It doesn't make sense. But right. it, again, uh, they, to they your point, too the, early. The Yes. Yeah, exactly. The three M's that people wanted in WandaVision. The three M's, as I call them. They wanted Mephisto, Mephisto? the multiverse, Mag and mutants. Mag Mag yeah, <laughs> and mutants, yeah. And mutants, yeah. And it's, uh, they, they didn't get, I, I encourage theories. But first thing, when you encourage theories, don't say they're facts, as some people Number do. Number one. Don't, they are theories. They are, it's conjecture, it's gossip, it's rumors. Don't okay. say they're facts. And then second is, if they don't come true, don't get upset that you're wrong. It's not a competition. You weren't in the running as a writer. So Correct. thus, you're like, <laughs> you were never the writer to it. So don't get mad if your ideas, because I have, okay, I have my own wants and desires for X-Men in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And... I will be disappointed that they didn't go what I wanted, but I can't blame them because I'm not in talks with them. You just, as long as right. it doesn't ruin the experience for you, you know what I mean? Push comes to shove and we get we get them in tomorrow finally. I, you don't want to be upset with what they give you because you have fan fiction and come true. Like, right. yeah. manage your expectations, people. <laughs> manage your expectations. And in, in a weird, yeah. speaking of managing expectations, in a way, I feel like that's almost why I, part of the reason I enjoyed this movie so much is because it's like, I just kind of got to watch a Marvel yes, movie. Yes, yes. And, yeah. and I I watched Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies so much as a kid, I had it memorized. And people talking about Spider-Man No Way Home has got me to the point where I'm like, I could care less if they show yeah. up. I just and don't then care. To your point, this one, I had nothing. It was blank yeah. slate going in, yeah. and I enjoyed it. There were flaws, don't get me wrong, but I enjoyed it. It was yeah. weird and bonkers and bizarre <laughs> yeah. and totally off the form. Loved it. I wish yeah. almost that every Marvel property from now on is treated this way, as in you're going into this blank slate and right. enjoying right. What, what the writer gives you, the vision. So yeah. Spider-Man discourse, I'm exhausted. I am exhausted. Well, being the last Jedi fan, I am all I'm tired. I, I can't hear it anymore. Yeah. And yeah, somebody somebody yeah. said, Oh, I, I hope they release a trailer with the Spider-Man uh, No Way Home with all the to all of the with Toby and uh, Andrew. I'm like, why? Why do you want that in a trailer? Why? Yeah. It's you're gonna, gonna see the movie no matter what. <laughs> but imagine when you're sitting in a movie, you have Thor and uh Wakanda moment, you have Myong yeah. and Captain America moment. Right. Why would you want that spoiled in the freaking trailer? Like, I agree. I agree 100%. Right. 
doesn't just, make sense. Right. That doesn't make any sense. So I am avoiding any Spider-Man this right. sports because I said once that I like Tom Holland. Holy shit, that internet explosion. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm not a teenage girl, first of all. I'm an adult. <laughs> and I just happen to like, to me, he embodies a character. Live action. To me, Miles Morales is still the best adaptation yeah. of the character. I'm talking live action. I think, I think yeah. all three of them have strengths and weaknesses. But again... Yeah. We don't no, exist in a nuanced world where that's acceptable to talk about. That's it. Everybody's so got to have their out. things better than others. Yeah, yeah. And they're like yeah. posting these like blurry, pixelated photos of Spider- I'm like, delete. D- done. Close it down. <laughs> I don't want to see it. Please don't yeah. ruin it for me because I enjoyed this so much not knowing anything about it. I haven't experienced yeah. it in a long time. That yeah. feeling. Because I read the spoilers for Game of Thrones season finale, series finale, and oh, I read no. the spoiler. Oh, yeah. It was spoiled on Reddit. The bells, yeah. I was like, this is this is not true. This is too this is awful. Yeah, no, it ended up being true. Oh jeez. Stay with the rise of Skywalker. Um uh, and I knew what was gonna happen. I I so, try to I try to stay away from I try to stay away from spoilers uh, yeah. as much as I can. But I also I know that I'm gonna see these movies regardless, but I would rather not right. be spoiled. Yeah. There are good Marvel twists that I'm glad I was not spoiled for. Like, like this one. Icarus, yes, I yeah. agree. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad that I was not spoiled uh for that. I'm happy. I'm Me happy. too. Me too. That's why I, um, this was an enjoyable experience for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm also happy that I had you two on this episode to talk with me about oh, Eternals. Thank you. Same um, here. Yeah, thank you for having me. You guys, me. you guys are great. You guys are great. You do great TikToks. Uh, you guys both analyze <laughs> uh, 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 your subject matter to to a degree that, like, like. I, I'm I'm so happy that I got you guys on this show to talk about me. Uh, thank talk, you for talk having about me. me. Yeah, talk with me. Talk with me about <laughs> Eternals. Um, before we get going, uh, I want to thank the audience out there for watching this, for listening to it. If you're watching this, you're watching it on Facebook, YouTube. Twitch or Volume. The key is on all of those platforms. Volume.com is our number one streaming platform. Volume.com slash the Keeg Show is where you can watch us and be a part of that chat right there. And that's where we draw the chat from. Uh, but if you're wa- if you're listening to us, uh, you're listening to us on a uh, podcast app of some sort. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Google Play. We're on Spotify. We're on SoundCloud. And we're on iHeartRadio. So wherever you choose to digest us, however you choose to digest us, uh, please click like or comment so we know you're there or subscribe or thumbs up, whatever it is on that app. We would love to see you out there partaking in this, digesting this in whatever way, shape, or form, as long as we know you exist, because it's awesome. Because, like, right now, on volume, I see Adele, Aries, Marvelous Johnny, and then 33 newcomers that do not have names. Whoa. Uh, that, those are people who have not created accounts on volume.com. We appreciate you watching, but if you want to create an account on volume.com, it's cool, because then we know you're there. You can chat with us. Um uh, uh, create an account, it's free, uh, you know, so on and so forth. But however you guys are watching, thank you so much for watching. Before we get going, thank you to Brian, thank you to JJ for coming on the show uh, 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 and giving us your, your brains. We were like a uni <laughs> mind, right? To, yes. To <laughs> nice. it was we like, truly were the uni mind. You know? <laughs> we Perfect. were the uni mind. Perfect. 
Uh, <laughs> Brian, uh, what is your social media? If you could say that out loud, what do you got coming up? Where can people find you? If you got any plugs, uh, let us know. Okay, uh, you can find me on TikTok at Captain Comic Rex. That's R-E-C-S, like recommendations. Uh, my usual plug, pay your taxes, support your local public schools, please. We need your help, for the love of God, especially in these trying times. I actually have something to kind of plug. It's not something I'm directly associated with, but it's an organization that I think uh, people watching this especially should know about. Um, there's an organization that operates in New York City called the Kirby Museum. Uh, they are a nonprofit organization that is dedicated to raising awareness of the life and career of Jack the King Kirby, who is the writer and artist of the Eternals. They're doing a pop-up uh, starting on Thursday, um, coming up November 11th in uh, New York City, 23 Warren Street, New York City. Uh, it is a pop-up exhibit of Jack Kirby artwork. Um, it starts on Veterans Day. They're going to be screening a documentary about Jack Kirby's early life and his time in the military cool. during World War II. Uh, they're going to be doing some talks throughout the week. It's running from November 11th to November 16th. Uh, you can check them out. They're on Instagram. They're on, they just got a TikTok. I don't think they post anything yet but i'll be posting some tiktoks about it uh once it opens um so that's november 11th to the 16th the kirby museum google it check them out on instagram uh yeah it's definitely going to be a worthwhile cause to support and go check out very nice awesome i i also like how your plug does tie in also with eternals like it's all Jack Kirby, baby. Jack, are you, Jack are Kirby you a fan or all day, every day. I like. I do. I actually kept my Jack Kirby pillow that my wife made me over my shoulder. Oh, that's so oh. cool. <laughs> that's really cool. I love it. Thank uh, you. That's my plan. Yeah, uh, JJ. Uh, what is your social media? Where can people find you? Any plugs? Anything coming up? The only thing I'm going to plug is my TikTok account. That's where I am at mostly. Uh, my Instagram is just small. I don't do anything on it. So there's really nothing to see on there. Um, uh, Cat Lady JJ. Yeah, I chose that. It was very original. And my account took off and now I'm stuck with it. So I don't know. <laughs> um, you built the brands. Apparently, yeah. Cats and Star Wars <laughs> now and Marvel. It's just, yeah. So when Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan comes out, somebody may need to check on me. Yeah. I not survived that once. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that I'm going to plug, if you can, don't buy puppies for Christmas. Go to a shelter and rescue a dog so, or a cat. So There we go. Yeah, That's always my big one around these holidays because people get puppies and then leave them in spring. So just go to a shelter. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big uh, – we're, we're a big dog family over here. So um, we, we always get ours from the shelter or rescues or something. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's super important, you know, uh, by the way, we, we are eternals compared to the, our dogs and pets. If you think about it. (laughs) (laughs) Wrinkling my brain, man. I don't even know what to say. I'm flabbergasted right now. I don't even know how to respond. That's so funny. Oh, my God. This movie has been wrinkling my brain for 24 hours now with some of the things people have asked (laughs) and suggested. I've never been this challenged. Are we Eternals to them, or are we Celestials, just these giant, unknowable creatures that dictate? No, no, we're we're Eternals. Uh, You hate Uh, Celestials. You have a Celestial bias. I do hate I do hate Celestials. I hate it. I hate I But they I, look so cool. Not a they do look, they look cool. cool. <laughs> they look cool, but like I'm hoping that when Reed Richards can to 
play with the Fantastic Four, he gives a big old <laughs> stretchy finger up. Like a big old, you know? He's like... If they don't do that do. at some point in uh, Fantastic yeah. Four, I'm going to lose it. Like, some point... Yeah, I would actually be shocked if they didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, did you, it's like, did you guys Reed Richards who? bows to no god, you know? That's it. <laughs> and I just learned yeah. today the voice of... Uh, what's the uh, Deviant's name? The one that uh, evolves into Sentry. Crow. Crow. Crow, yeah, uh, Bill Skarsgård. Pennywise. Yeah. yeah, I did not know that. Yeah. That's kind of cool. That guy yeah. is always yeah. everything creepy. <laughs> Every time, yeah. he's always voicing or is something creepy. <laughs> yeah, a lot of specific typecasting uh, in this movie. Bill Skarsgård. Pat Nozzle, yeah. like, which I didn't know until Kit, today. Like, Kit Harrington as the Black yeah. Knight is gonna be getting typecast. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, and we got to uh, hear Rob Stark I... and uh, Rob. I'm sorry, Rob Stark and Jon Snow say, "I love you, Cersei." I, <laughs> um, I, I I think what's interesting also before we get going is that Marvel allows if you have a voice actor to also do a separate character who's a face actor. So, huh. um, like so, like uh, uh, what are some exceptions? They've only double cast somebody a couple of times, oh, and even Chan. then they're two. Gemma Chan's one. Yeah. Gemma, Gemma Chan, Chan is one of them. She's and amazing Michelle as Minerva. Yeah. Michelle Yao was in That's Guardians true. of the Galaxy. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But they're time. such yeah. different characters with such different looks that the audience doesn't get stuff that they're the same. Um, right. But, like, what I'm trying to say is there's still hope for, hopefully not, Vin Diesel as a face character, Bradley Cooper <laughs> as a face character, Bill Sarsgaard uh, or Skarsgård, I always get them mixed up as a face character. So they're still, they're still, you know. Will we finally get Vin Diesel as Black Bolt of the Inhumans? I, 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 if he doesn't I, talk, maybe. I, I was just going to say that. I was just going to say that. As long as he doesn't talk. Do you remember when he was like really yeah. stumping for that role? That was, he's such a oh. weird dude. Yeah, he's very strange. Yeah, but then he gave yeah. him Groot, and he got to, he gets to be part of the part of the family, you know. Yeah, yeah. One of the best-selling toys in Marvel. I mean, he hey. wins technically. Yeah, really, really. Yeah, yeah. He, he won financially I mean, and fan fanfare. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, also, just a side side note is that Bradley Cooper. I was talking about it with other people. Bradley Cooper's voice as Rocky Raccoon is is really good and i did not expect that from bradley cooper you know what i, I mean? know it was him I he really commits to that performance yeah completely yeah yeah he yeah commits. i just yeah um thank you guys so much for coming on the show and talking about this thank and you. everything thank else you. that we talked about uh tonight uh hopefully everybody out there if you're watching <laughs> if you're listening follow us on social media on instagram and tiktok at the keeg show we're also on twitter at the keeg show if you tweet at us we'll tweet back uh but definitely uh stay tuned we got multiple more shows especially as we close up to this year we got the season finale of the keeg back this friday um, and then we have another Keeg live in two weeks and, uh, we got more stuff to come. So definitely stay tuned. Thank you everybody for watching. Uh, thank you again to Brian and JJ. And, uh, I would love thank to you. have you guys back. Absolutely. Yeah, let's, let's do this again when the Blade movie comes out. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Oh, I can't, I can't, I can't wait. Can't, 
wait for Blade. Uh, thank you, everybody out there. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being on here. I'm your host, Dimitra Pereira, and this has been another episode of The Keeg Live. This one, talking about Eternals. Take care.